Welcome back to episode 28 of the All Music Is Good podcast. The podcast that takes a deep dive into four recent releases. We get right in there to try and work out what's great and sometimes not so great about each one. This week we'll be checking out albums from Lord, Pop Smoke, Laura Muller and The Go Team. Now normally I'll begin this introduction with a reference or rant regarding the vortex that is Melbourne's ongoing and seemingly never-ending lockdown, but I've had to edit this week's intro from the morose musings of a beaten down 200 plus day survivor to something quite different because for those who listen to this pod locally would know, spring has sprung in our little part of the world and for a glorious moment, we've stepped out from the interior to the exterior of our front doors and lapped up vitamin D from the solar rays that have borne down on us have given us a brief moment of cheer. I reckon the barbecue was fired up, the beers were cracked pre-show tonight, and for my co-host, this fleeting glimpse of what is hopefully to come has no doubt seen him bust out his Planet Hollywood sleeveless denim jacket and strut his stuff around the cosmopolitan inner north. No doubt he's been enjoying the sunshine from the escarpment of a hipster food truck sucking on some type of artisan summer ale before switching on his microphone tonight to chat about some music. So it's with those sentiments that we try and harness a bit of that heat. And I say hello to my co-host, Mr. Arik Bloom. Arik, welcome. Thank you, Waza. Good to be back. Um, I, I loved how chirpy your intro was tonight. Um, you're really capturing a vibe that you know we could all... Learn something from, um, I guess, <laughs> especially, especially given you know you've got that spring in your step. Given that the doggies had a win on the weekend, <laughs> so for those not familiar, um, our esteemed co-host Warren Hunter is a Bulldogs fan, and I'm an Essendon fan, as per the cup right here. And mm. I didn't um, think I was going to hear anything about this after the two fingers salute well, from you by text last week. <laughs> That's the last we've talked. I was going to get to that. So, um, you know, obviously you've got to spring in your step. The doggies won, but my uh, my dear Bombers lost, unfortunately. And um, in true classy form of, you know, someone that someone whose team has been up and about for a few years was a decided to text me you know a pretty condescending it wasn't um, condescending at all oh, i was pretty condescending pretty it wasn't co- at all it was not my intent okay to be well condescending. you know i was we trying can, to be nice we can you know maybe we'll screenshot it and put it on our instagram for later <laughs> Let's do, please do um, but uh you know was a sent a pretty condescending oh you know good game and you know you guys are going to be good next year um of which i sent him a uh, up yours emoji, which is actually my favourite emoji to send, and then it was followed up by a bit of banter, and then double up yours emoji, and that's about <laughs> the last time we spoke. So it was the last time we spoke. So obviously you've got to spring in your step. It's great to see. Um, look over my way. I can't really tell you. I haven't really uh, engaged in any kind of springtime revelry. I mowed the lawn today, which is pretty cool. Um, oh, brilliant. I don't know the brand of the mower. I wish I did. Um, but I can Victor. Oh, there's so many. Victor, Honda, um, Rover. Yeah, it, could, uh, it was. It, it definitely felt pretty. What colour is it? Uh, more importantly, yeah, it's kind of black and red, which is you know like the bombers. Oh, yeah. I've but, got black um, and red one, like a like a black flip thing at the back, and then yeah, red all over. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And um, look, it's, it's it goes all right. And you know, interestingly, I've never actually lived ever in a house with a lawn, so. 
this like oh, mow dude, the lawn. This thing? is prime time law now. Lawn. It's, yeah, yeah. You it's, need it's, to like mow it down short. You need to get out the fertilizer. You need to fertilize. You need to reseed. This is like you've got like basically a four week window here to get your lawn just just right for the next sparkling. Yeah, so it's lawn season. So I, 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 you know, I had that beautiful smell of cut grass. You know that that I guess that felt positive and spring like. So I mowed the lawn. Um, I haven't actually left my home apart from that today. Um, but you know, all, all perk up, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I really should. I really should. Maybe so, I should send you some condescending lawn texts. I, I would like that. I mean, you know, was as you know, for those that haven't tuned in before, what was as like home maintenance kind of schedule is to be rivaled. He's always pushing. He's always leveling up. He's always bringing people around him up. And mm. you know, from whether it be a spa or a you know a lawnmower, it could be a, co- a home coffee machine. Can I tell you from last my last birthday, I asked my sister to get me some lawn shoes. Oh wow! Do you know what lawn shoes are what? No, what are they? Are they so go on? You get them from Bunnings, right? And they've got spikes on the bottom of them. And what you do is you walk over the lawn with these spiked shoes to aerate the lawn. It's that's that's <laughs> how that's how my lockdown was last year. That's where it got to. All right. Well, there, there's something to take away. I might go and uh, well, I might you know do a bit of a lawn shoe click and collect over the weekend. I'm sure there's. <laughs> Just a, imagine I'm you sure turn up. To, I'm sure they're to available. Every, they're, they'd be available everywhere, right? I mean, they're um, well, but yeah, look, they're, they're bunnings. They're oh, yeah, true, yeah bunnings. It's click and collect, man. So apart from. Um, Apart from your barbecuing, was it what, what's been happening? Well, look, I won't bring it down to your level of moroseness, but like, in all honesty, I think it's been, you know, the monotony of it all is biting hard. Um, but like, you know, for me, I knew I had this week's taping on in the diary, so I've been really looking forward to it. So, you know, I'm up for this next two hours, and then I'll, you that. know, deflate like a balloon as the night goes on. So, like, the things that I've been drawn to this week. And I feel like maybe we'll bring our guest in early on this tonight. But, you know, I've been sort of enraptured by the 30th anniversary of Pearl Jam's debut album, 10, oh. coming out, you know, full of oh. you know, fretless bass playing. Oh, and, my God, you yes. Know, Jeff and Mint. And, like, I think we all look back on that grunge phase in the early to mid-90s with, you know, varying degrees of nostalgia and cringe. And, and I think with hindsight, time has been very kind to Nirvana, um, but who who knows whether that would be the case if Kurt was still alive? But you know that's that's digressing from from what we should be talking about because when I think of Pearl Jam, I think back to 1995 in Melbourne mm-hmm. when Pearl Jam came to town mm-hmm. for three nights, and it was kind of like the Beatles had arrived in town. Yeah, I don't know if you remember it, but oh yeah, <laughs> it just permeated through the youth of this city like a bomb had gone off and. If I seriously think about it, I can't ever remember that happening in my lifetime before or after. It, like, it was epic. Like, I remember, like, you know, kids leaving footy training early and the coach is going, what, what do you mean you're leaving early? They're like, we're going to Pearl Jam. You know, it was just like, what is happening? Oh, mate. And it was, and that, that when they did the Triple J on the <clears> Friday <throat> night, the live recording of people are trying to knock the caravan down, the OV van. And Look, if you need a, if you need a blow by blow, um, I'm, I'm guessing you're at analysis the Sunday night. of, of all three concerts. I'm your yeah, guy right. because it's it, you know it's strange that you've gone here, Waza, because I went. I had a deep dive on the Pearl Jam '95 tour in lockdown five. So much so that I went back and listened to Rarified Live from top to tail. Sent it to yep. all my friends. Was like, do you remember wow. this? Then I researched. Um, 
the age articles around the riot and I also mm-hmm. found a YouTube clip that actually did, like was on I remember it. Yeah. I, I remember seeing it on the news. It is burnt on my brain oh, and yeah, I'm yeah, bashing yeah. the fence down. So I mean and it, go it, crazy. It, before I dive in, because I feel as though it would it would not be right to continue this conversation no. without introducing our esteemed Pearl Jam historian who's joined the call tonight. <laughs> He's back for well, you know, we just we have him back as much as we can. We love we love his insights. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the podcast Ryan Munro. Welcome back, Ryan. Oh, I think you're on mute, Ryan. This is like a like a, a typical Zoom call. Perfect. Um, Someone's on mute. <laughs> Someone's, Someone's on mute. Wait a second. Ryan. Right. <laughs> That's actually how most meetings run at um, in, in, in offices. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, Take yourself on mute, dude. Let's just do that again. Um, yeah, oh, it's great to be back, guys. Feels like it's been ages. We actually did this in person last time, so we that did. must have been... I don't know. Like, like February. Like January? Yeah, before like- lockdown three, I reckon. Yep. <laughs> if that... If that's right. I don't remember three. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was different before lockdown three. So welcome back, Ryan. Um, oh, thanks. I, you... I just got distracted while you guys were talking and uh, watched were you the... Like, were you looking up Brendan O'Brien remixes of, no, of 10? I was just looking up the video footage of the fence coming down when <laughs> in Melbourne yeah. when there was a riot for the Pearl Jam it thing. Is, anyway. it, it, it was amazing. It's burnt on my brain that those three nights because it was... Can you like? I just want to like. Was can you remember anything like that okay, in I, Melbourne? I, I can't. But let me walk you guys through it. So basically, it, it's 1995. It's also like it's early 1995. So Kurt's suicide was in mid 94. So what was in the water at that time was, <clears throat> and I guess Australia was always a little bit behind. So that whole grunge thing, like what was going on <clears throat> in 92 in the states, it came like an absolute tsunami in 94 it's also that Silverchair's first record came yep. out in 94 yep. and yep. and Triple J was like just playing this kind of music well they'd so, just gone national too I think this and Triple J had also just 94. like yeah grown so yeah. that's all going on in the background and they come to town and just so you know that the, the first concert that was advertised was the Maya Music Bowl which was concert number three that sold okay, out yep. in a second um, I was lucky enough to get tickets um, which I'll talk to in a minute then they put two more shows on sale and that first night was a night where um, the the promoter had contracted some really really bad security and that's right what, what, what had happened was um, what started as like some really really enthusiastic fans they started getting really intimidated by the security so the security were going really really heavy handed on them and that ticked off the riot at, at Melbourne Park where everyone jumped from the stands onto the floor and the whole place went absolutely bananas so that was all going on and then <clears throat> and and there was big shit that security company then got fired that yes. that night <clears throat> and the next night was the the national taping for Rarified and Live which and that was incredible concert incredible concert they opened yeah. with release as like yes. the first track which is yes. the final track on 10 and you're just like oh my god I was I was just post bar mitzvah, you know. This is where I was at, you know, and this was changing my life. So I remember tuning in and just like 
thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to see this tomorrow. This is fucking incredible. And then the My Music Bowl show happened. The Meanies opened. Um, yeah. uh, it was absolutely wild. Then the fence came down. I was actually – I was quite up the front, so I didn't know that the fence – You were actually, up near the fence with some bolt cutters. No, 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 no. I was 13 years old. Uh, <laughs> um, and young delinquent. Yeah, young, young delinquent. The fence came down. And like if you were there, you, you probably didn't know that the fence had come down apart from potentially the the extra 10,000 people pushing from back to front, yeah. which would have been pretty fucking hardcore. Um, but from the concert's point of view, they opened with Corduroy that night, which was also like these down-tempo tunes <laughs> to start. And then um, Wally – was it not Wally Meany? Who, um, who was the lead Link. singer of the Meanies? Uh, uh, I always get confused. He didn't have his uh, memorable Link, name. Link as was Wally it Link? Mania, Link no, Link was other guitarist. Was, was no, Wally, Wally, Wally. There was a Wally Meany, but there was a he guy. He was a bass player. Yeah, yeah that's right. There was, so yeah, there was a, anyway, Meany, <laughs> it, if we can find the lead singer of the Meanies whilst I'm telling my story, that would be really, really helpful. But the lead singer of the Meanies came out and um, and uh, and and did a duet of "Throw Your Arms Around Me" with Eddie Vedder, and. It was, you know, like those things when you're a kid, like 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 a stranger does a thing and it just gets tattooed on your brain. I will never mm. forget that they started playing Throw Your Arms Around Me and like just some bogan next to me is like, fucking yeah, fucking hunters. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and I just never forgot that. So every single time I hear that song, I'm just like, fucking yeah, fucking hunters. Um, so yeah, Do you that hear was it very that. often? Well, no, I, I, well, I had to play it a lot in a wedding band. Um, okay, yeah. I had to th- play Throw Your Arms Around Me a lot, uh, yep. like as the kind of go-home track. So yep. uh, it always took oh, me... Not, your voice didn't sort of reach the end of the road? No, God, no. It was more Throw Your Arms God, Around Me? God, no. By that time, three, right. three, sets, of, three sets of shrieking... That wasn't going to happen. So anyways, great times. I'm so glad you brought up Pearl Jam 10. Ryan, any memories of that time? I'm really impressed that you can remember like set lists and dates and how many shows there were and the <laughs> it was massive. It was, it was March 18th. I can tell you the date as well. Oh, and wow, I bought man. the Vitalogy shirt, and yeah. they didn't actually have a tour shirt for that tour. So all, right. all you bought, all you got to do, like there was only one item available for like the biggest band in the world, which is this horrible long sleeve Vitalogy shirt. Anyway, well, I hope there was some black circle. I hope there were some bootleggers outside selling better oh, t-shirts. Yeah, likely, likely. <laughs> Um, um, I, the only other thing I can remember like that, like the kind of thing where you don't, you hear from people who went, not necessarily about the music, but about the rioting or how <laughs> poorly organized it was, was I remember hearing about Guns N' Roses at Calder Park oh, in yeah, like yeah. 92 or 91, 91. I was there. Wow. You were oh, there? Yeah, nice. Yep. Did yeah, you? My uncle came and had to come pick us up in the car afterwards, and it just took us ages just to get a. Correct get me home. if I'm wrong, but didn't it not? It started like boiling hot. They yeah, brought in fire truck hoses, and then it went freezing cold, and yeah. it hailed. And my cousin who worked at Brashes was backstage with Skid Row. <laughs> Are you serious? Skid Row. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Oh, um, wow. I think Rose Rose Tattoo were one of the other Rose openers, tattoo. and then yeah. I, I remember hearing later that week. Like I think I was too young to go to anything like that. Like the 
older sister of the family across the road went to it or something. And all the stories were just like bottles of water were $8. We couldn't get out of there. It was horrible. The sound was terrible, like that kind of thing. But then I heard later that week that Rose Tattoo did some pub gig and then Gunners just got up and like sat in. No way. I haven't heard that story. They loved Rose Tattoo. Um, Yuri tells a great good story about... uh, uh, well, we digress. <laughs> no, no, go on. Uh, go on. Cherry, cherry I'll, Rock. I'll wait till he comes on and he can tell it himself. Is this about um, uh, Angry Anderson at Cherry Rock Festival? No, it was when they were in LA and oh, they right. were some, some, I think it was Duff or Izzy was playing in some bar band and they have heard that Yuri and his mate were from Australia and then they just proceeded to do a whole set of Aussie classic tunes. Oh. Like just knew, knew everything. And there were like six people in the whole place. Nice. Rose Tattoo. Um, all, all of them. Um, so okay, so there's that. So 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 to get back, bring it back on topic. I listened to the Brendan O'Brien remixes this week, Arik, and is he the original mix engineer? I uh, know he did Vitalogy and a heap of albums since Vitalogy. Um, so I, I think the band were never happy about you know that it was done in '91, and we're still in the hair metal phase or the back end of the hair metal phase. So there's so much reverb and. And delays and spill on on that mix. So, and I know the band were never happy about it. Right. You know, when I talked to Eddie the other day, he just was telling me how much he didn't like it. You mean, when you talk, um, when you talk to Bradley Cooper. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, so they got it remixed. Uh. You know, a couple of years ago. Wow. Uh. And it's a lot more, you know, Vitalogy esque. Wow. And it's different. It's interesting. So you can get it on, uh, you know, your your favorite DSP, and uh, check it out. Interesting. I'm surprised you don't know that. Anyway, um, um, the other thing I wanted to touch on <laughs> DSP quickly, yeah, digital service provider. Oh wow! Um, I don't. I don't want to say the uh, the names of these companies because no, because that would you know, I want to. I want to move on into this yeah. place. Okay. Um, because the other thing I wanted to touch on, being an Australian musician with a music podcast, and I want to get your thought. I just want to get your thoughts on the current state of play in the in the Oz music industry. Oh, is this where we go- are we going there? Are we going no, no, to, we're, not, we're not going there. We're are not we going, going to there. talk like, about that tweet that some fifteen-year-old is that what's happening? Kid sent at Triple well, J. That was look. That was disappointing on on many levels, but like on a more broader arc, I don't want to talk about that one. Okay, that's such a BS. But um, uh, like <laughs> for people in the future tune, uh, <laughs> tuning into this podcast, you'll probably remember what we're talking about. But um, <laughs> yes, there was there was a tri- there was a Triple J tweet which sort of sent off a whole bunch of stuff this week. People but, had so much to say about uh, that, but like. I don't know. Let- I didn't mind it. Like, I, I just thought, like, I mean, you know, they're, they're so, you know, they're getting smaller and smaller in in their in what they do. But Look, my, my hot take, my, just let, my hot take, if I can just comment really quickly, my hot take is there was no, there's nothing was new or surprising by mm. that just being declared publicly. So it's not like, no. you know, anyways. But, but, but at, on, on, at the oh. same time, it's not like Richard Kingsmill and his minions like sat around and planned that tweet. Like some, oh, some idiot did, right. fired it off extremely quickly and then all hell broke loose. So. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Um, like on a, on a broader scale, like seriously, what I mean, for me, what the fuck is going on with like the Australian radio content laws? Like that's the one that shits me. Like, like who are the stakeholders when it comes to not being able to make meaningful, meaningful change in this area? Like like anyone who watched Jenny Morris's APRA talk to the Australian Press Club last year, I don't know if anyone's seen it, but have a look at it. It's it's awesome. And like, like it's not stuff that we don't know, but it outlines in black and white on a real policy level what the real world benefits are to supporting and developing an Australian exportable music business. And a big 
part of that is just making meaningful, meaningful changes so that Australian artists can be played on commercial Australian radio at a, at a reasonable level. And and that doesn't mean, you know, chisel Barnsley in, in excess 24-7 to meet their obligations. Like, like as you know, I've, I've always been a full-time job kind of guy and, like, my, my fleeting moment trying music as a full-time thing was just that. It was fleeting. But... Like I, I seriously worry for the state of play in in Oz, and like you know we've got someone a guest on tonight who who can attest to you know how much they got played on Australian commercial radio and having to go overseas to do a lot of the stuff that they did, and so there's that. And did anyone read the UN report on Spotify this week? I mean, Jesus Christ, UN. I'm- yes, they brought out a report on Spotify. I'll, I'll send it to you. It is crazy about. What? What the do, amount of money that's going backwards, uh, you know, the, the the way they divide up their profits, the way that the money goes to musicians, how uh, – look, we can talk about it another time, but if anyone wants a decent wow. read, go and have a look at the UN report on, on you know, digital service providers. I'm amazed the UN have time to think about this. It's incredible. Yeah. It's a really interesting article um, with some really interesting conclusions. So check that out. That, um, wow. Far away, guys. Far away. Okay. <laughs> what, I'm Bombs. sorry. What, what are we firing? What, what, yeah, what, well, what no, are we, I mean, what has anyone got anything, got anything to say? Like, I just think as an industry, like we, like we, we can talk about all sorts of things about what we need to do to fix, and there's this and this, this and that, and and other things. But I just think we just need to, we need to pick one thing, and we need to go at it. And for me, that thing is is um, content on Australian on Australian radio, Australian right. content on Australian. Not just Australian radio, but other things, TV, all sorts of stuff. Yeah, because sure. without that, you can't build it. You can't build a an industry. No, you, no, you can't. And, and look, uh, you know, I mean, there's something kicked off again also in the Olympics around, um, well, you know, the like use Australian brand, you know, use Australian music for Australian brands. Then there was really yeah. interesting insights from some really intelligent people out there. Like, you know, I think what we're what we're living through right now. I think just broadly put it into music or put it into something else is it takes it takes like we're also our tempers are so frayed in the, oh, in, in the world right now and something something tweaks someone puts something out there that gets enough kind of early momentum that it just kind of takes off and suddenly everyone is like scandalized and, and infuriated by things and there's this like pylon and then um, and then like at some point someone else puts a new perspective in and a few people go down that road and then the whole thing kind of just like dies. <laughs> but, you know, in relation to like the issues, yeah, that's, that at play in Australia, yeah, absolutely, we need more Australian content. But that, that like everything starts and ends by, by which who's, who, who makes the decisions and, you know, some really interesting insights was that like... Well, who are the stakeholders that are stopping it from happening? Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it, it's, a, it's a, like the, the big change is replace all... All of the top people in the biggest companies with some younger, ta- fresher talent that actually have aligned through a lived experience through that music. If you're the CEO of a major company and all you did was listen to Pearl Jam, when the creative agency decides to pitch something to you, they'll be like, hmm. "Old mate likes Pearl Jam, so we'll put that in the thing." Let's, and he'll be like, let's oh, "Spin this back circle again, yeah. Hunters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, Hunters. Um, uh, and then away, away we go. So, like, it's broader systemic I get all stuff, that. right? I, I get all that, and it's it's wrapped up in a whole bunch of money and bureaucracy. But you know, if you if again, I would I would urge you to to listen to that. Jenny Morris chat because it's you know got some real world solutions mm. that you know if you if you have 
an exportable Australian music industry mm. that can go out into the world. Like that, that only does good things to for musicians and the industry. Totally, as a business. Absolutely. I have um, I have about three Jenny Morris songs stuck in my head now. This is great. She's got to be love. One. Yep. Uh, 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 go to the other two. I can't remember. Uh, breaking the weather. Ah, oh, breaking the weather. Yep. And um. I don't know. Hang on. I nearly said the same one again. There must be a third one. It probably is someone RX probably Spotifying away. Look, so before we get to our um our first segment of the week, Ryan, quick update. We can see in the back in your background that you've got uh there's about five guitars in shot. So what you know, we've we've chatted on um on WhatsApp about things that happen in, in Snap Lockdown. So talk us through is this a new thing? What's going on what's going on here? Uh well, one of my uh, lockdown activities this time has been attaching more guitars to the wall because I just realised there was room for it and, uh, you know, there's impulse guitar hanger shopping up. available and, uh, yeah, I just went for it. If they're all on the wall and easy to reach, I'll play them. If they're in the cupboard, I won't. So yep, yep. They're, they're getting a lot more attention now. That's good. And um, so what came first? Was it the wall hangings or like – because I would imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong as to like or the, the, si- wall. the, si- no, the psychology of this. Did, it, did you kind of go – because I can see there's a new guitar in the background did, and it's also in the centre. So did the whole experience go, I have a new guitar. You know what, actually, fuck it. Let's get them all on the wall. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I had nowhere else to put it. There's no room in the cupboard. I thought I've got to put more on the wall now. So, yeah. But no, I, I bought this green uh, Guild Starcaster thing. I think it was no, the nice. night before lockdown started. Like I'd been sort of window shopping online for it for a while and it was ticking all the boxes and then I realised lockdown was about to start and I just dropped everything and drove to Northcote and went into Echo Tone and said, I'll take it. So <laughs> I love that. that. Was, uh, yeah. With like yeah. two minutes to spare before the shop shut the last night before lockdown. In a way, it was irresponsible because if I'd had COVID and spread it to the rest of the staff, then you know, I would have made the news. So yeah. you would have, you would have one hundred percent made the news. It's funny because I think lockdown five. I was chatting to both of you, and I did a snap um, purchase of bass guitar. So yeah, I guess you, maybe that's actually you, you kind of inspired my my impulse <laughs> guitar buying by doing that. Because oh, I remember I got a message from you, like I, I sent you a link to that bass, and you you said. Should I just buy this? And then I think it was twelve minutes later, you sent yeah. another message that said I bought it. <laughs> I think that's the that's the world we're living in. You know, we can't fuck we can't fuck around with the with with the simple things that might make us happy. You know, that hasn't made you happy, Eric. I well, strangely, I haven't played it. Like I actually, <laughs> I've, I've, I think I played it it's once. Hanging on a wall somewhere. It, is hanging, in it room. actually is hanging on. It's hanging on a wall in my studio that I can't go to. But look, let's not reflect too much on um, on 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 the virus. Let's let's lift it up. And Waza, why don't you take us to our first segment of the week? All right, I will do that. I'll bring it up. I'll bring it up. Um, so the first segment of the week is, is is probably the best segment that we have out of the two. Um, it's called the Instagram Like of the Week. Oh, yeah. And the Instagram Like of the Week is a segment that celebrates a new Instagram account we've come across between episodes. 
Each week I invite my co-host and this week's celebrity guest, Ryan Munro, to guess who or what this mystery account may be. Um, sorry, I've, I've got a question already. Yes, if, go for if it. If I just went and checked out who you're following, could I find out the answer to this right now? No, no, I never follow it. Okay. Because Arik always asks me, what are they doing on Instagram? I'm like, I don't know. I haven't followed it yet. Okay. I, I, don't, I actually don't even know if this guy's got an Instagram account. I'm assuming he does. Let's hope so. Um... So as we like to reiterate each episode, it's not about our social media game. We aren't about point scoring or the cheap thrills of a like. It's about honouring others with an all music is good like on their account. It's a selective group who get this honour. And in our last episode, we welcomed Australian raconteur Peter Russell Clark. Oh, yes. And Arik, if we didn't have such an eclectic Instagram account with people such as Posh Spice, how would I ever know that Romeo Beckham just turned 19... You're this week. kidding me. He looks a lot like Vanilla Ice from the photo. Oh, wow. Which, funnily enough, we also have Vanilla Ice as one of our likes. There you go. There's something um, about the saw, way you um, do life, Wazza, that is really just remarkable. You're, you're always one step ahead. I love it. Keep it going. Um, well, I did see... Uh, what's Dawson's from Dawson's Creek James called? What's his uh, James Vanderbeek. James Vanderbeek. He's, <laughs> he's just annoys me with all he's his He's really prolific. Stuff. He's really yeah, prolific. And he's, he was trying to sort of I saw some, like, talk today about, you know, kids, you know, they just tell us so much about life. Look at my kid just running through this, like, um, with a water balloon through a fountain. If we just step back and be like this kid. Is he serious? Maybe our lives would be better. So I think we might have to get rid of him and replace him. Um, so this week's mystery person was born in the London suburb of Chiswick. Chiswick. His mother ran a talent agency and he acted from a very young age in theatre productions such as Oliver's Twist. Oliver's Twist? Oliver, Oliver, Oliver Twist? Oliver Twist. Oliver's Twist. Oliver Twist, of course. Um, with one of his first film roles being as an extra in the Beatles movie A Hard Day's Night. I know it. Stop it. <laughs> I read Stop his it. autobiography last oh, year. damn you. Uh, Damn it. <laughs> this uh, is good. Waza, this is a positive. Let, this is a positive thing let, that Ryan Well, well done. I want to hear some more clues, but yeah, okay. I've, I've, I've definitely got it. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll give that to you. He, he had a falling out with a director on a children's television show and quit acting, but later in life had a cameo appearance in Spielberg's film Hook. He plays himself, Eric, in the 2006 PlayStation 2 release of Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories. He was the only musician to perform at both the British and US Live AIDS concerts. Oh, oh man. Off. Yeah. No. Oh. No. And, and that, that was amazing. Like you can. Yeah, because he would have to fly because it was well, live simulcast, wouldn't it? He would have played right. first he, and then flown across. He played and then got on the Concorde because that's fast yep. enough. Yep. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, and he's one of only three musicians to have sold over 100 million albums, both in a band and as a solo artist. The other two being Paul McCarthy, Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. No, can't do it. Ryan Dude, he's one of the biggest artists of all time. It's, it's Phil Collins. Phil, Phil Collins. Collins. Well played. Well played. So was, which clue gave it to you? Child actor, honestly. Like, he's... Autobiography is very fresh in my mind. Yeah, even though that was wow. probably almost a year ago in lockdown last year, I read that whole book. But yeah, I think that's one of the facts that you would remember, like being in the Beatles movie, A Hard Day Night. Mm. Hard Day's Night is 
incredible. Like, I think Oliver Twist, I remembered that. He was the Artful Dodger or something, I think. He was the Artful Dodger. Maybe you want to give us a review of the book. Wow. maybe Was it a good book? <laughs> yeah, it was great. And it, it led me to watch like every Genesis and Phil Collins like concert that I could find on YouTube just to see how it evolved over time, you know? Because I, um, I guess just... You know, most of that stuff happened before I started paying attention to music. So it's really interesting if you find Phil Collins interesting to see, I, I guess, how Genesis and his solo stuff kind of managed to coexist. And yeah. Um, incredible. I like the story that I read that they auditioned, I think, like maybe 50 or I, don't, I can't remember whether it was 50 or 300 singers for Genesis after. Um, um, what's his name left the band? Peter Gabriel left the band, and he would sing back up with all of them. And at the end of the auditions, they're like, "I think you should just be the singer." <laughs> it's quite quite amazing. What a interesting artist, an interesting career. And and he was a perfectionist. I think I remember reading at one time he used to. Oh, this is from a long time ago, so you probably know better than I do. But didn't he used to tape all of his Genesis concerts and then go back and listen to? listen to them every night in the bus after the gig and just to look try and improve every 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 gig wow i don't know but i hear that about a, a lot of people who are really good <laughs> who else does it uh prince do, did that as well right okay like record every show and then watch it afterwards and like what a, i mean is that a way to live i don't know yeah I don't know. Who knows? I I, I always find maybe you're just looking at the girls in his band, Prince. I maybe know. who knows? I don't know. I, um, don't know. I, I like to have time to not play music when I'm not playing music occasionally. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Two Hearts was that his last? What was his last big song? He wouldn't have had a hit in a while, would he? The one from the Tarzan movie, I reckon, and that that kind of. What was that called? Uh, that, I don't know. That, I don't remember that, that became one. a musical. That like that was one of the first like Disney film becomes huge Stage Broadway show. musical kind of things as yep. well. Okay. Um, <laughs> and did he have tinnitus at some stage? Or no, he yeah, had a, yeah, big time. Yeah, yeah. And he stopped playing. Is that yeah. the main reason? Yeah, but I I saw him in 2019 when. When he started touring again in Melbourne, it was at Amy oh, Park. Right. It was ridiculous, but um, ridiculous good. Well, just huge. Like right. sort of looking around, going, "How can this possibly sound good?" And it kind of didn't. But then you just forgot about it after a while. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Well, You've there you go. Accidentally chosen my special subjects tonight. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Maybe we should. Uh, well, I should run a bunch of topics by you, by you before we have you back on. Well, we'll, we'll test that one out on the. Uh, I was surprised that the PlayStation Two Grand Theft Auto didn't grab RX attention. But oh, I'm not, a play, not. I'm not a PlayStation guy. Never did it. Okay. Okay, so look, it's good to have it's good to have Phil Collins um, joining the illustrious company of other illuminaries such as the uh, VJ Singh. I always go back to VJ Singh. I think it's just such a great account to follow, and um, and uh, the Thai prince whose name oh Taksin Shinawat. Yeah, he's not a prince. He was an exiled prime minister. And um, and sorry, and who's the the Jessica Watson? Uh, Jessica Watson, any, any, Angela Merkel. Any, I mean, um, they're all there. Are there any new things on the Jessica Watson page? Apparently, there's. A uh, yes, but it's a bit sad, so okay, I don't so think I want to talk about, about it. it. Okay, that's yeah. cool. 
Um, all right. Well, on that high note, <laughs> what <let's> on earth <laughs> does Angela Merkel post on Instagram? Well, it's mostly in German, so I can't really follow it. Um, right. And I don't. I'm not one to scroll down and push. You know, translate. <laughs> Uh, so I just sort of look at the pictures and then sort of try and work it out in my head. What's going on? What were those shows? What's that line? Or, you know, you have to look at a picture and, and say what's happening here. That's what I sort of do with Angela Merkel's account. But, um, yeah, maybe we need. I think we need more Tom Selleck or things like that. I don't oh, know. Speaking actually of Tom Selleck, I watched, um, Tom Selleck. I watched Three Men and a Baby this week. Um, oh, oh, wow. Yeah, great, great film. I'll tell you guys more about it later. But why don't we go to... Uh, our first yeah. record of the week, and we'll be back after a short break. I will give you all of my soul for your pleasure. I will give you everything that I own for good measure. Our first album for this evening is by English artist Laura Mavula, and the album is called Pink Noise. Laura Mavula, born April 23, 1986, is a British recording artist, songwriter and composer. A native of Birmingham, Mavula has gained experience as a young member or leader of a cappella, jazz, neo, soul and gospel groups and choirs. She was classically trained, and in 2012, she signed the RCA record. Signed with RCA Records and released an, an EP, She, to critical acclaim. Mavula released her debut studio album, Sing to the Moon, in 2013, to favourable reviews and earning two MOBO awards and a Mercury Prize nomination. In 2014, an orchestral re-recording of the album with the Metropole Orchestra was released. Her second album, The Dreaming Room, was uh, from 2016, was also received with critical acclaim and won the Ivor Novella Award and garnered a Mercury Prize nomination. Mavula then wrote the music for the 2017 theatre production of Antony and Cleopatra by the Royal Shakespeare Company. While working on her third album, she released the One Stroke FEP in February 2021. In 2018, Mavula received an honorary doctorate of music from her alma mater, Birmingham City University. So Laura Mavula is a really, really interesting artist. I actually came across her on, like, I think it was probably the first single that she put out. I'm just trying to look it up. It was like Green Garden might have been it. Let me just double check. I won't be able to find it. I'll look I'll look it up later. But, um, like, when I first heard it, I just absolutely loved her. It was this sort of, like, bent kind of indie thing. It had lots of cool claps and really, really awesome vocal arrangements. And then I kind of, that was sort of like my introduction. And then the next time I heard of her was from this Guardian article, um, which was actually a really, really sad article and talked about a lot of her battles with um, mental illness. So basically, just by way of background, she grew up in a very, very Christian household. Um, and like, the, you know, the church and religion was very, very deep in, in her upbringing. And then her parents split up. 
Um, and that was kind of in her adulthood. And then shortly after that, Mavula began to exhibit symptoms of acute anxiety um, and was seized by regular panic attacks. And she talks about it and says, at first it was the shortness of breath, dizziness, um, and then it was, you know, full-blown, really, really dark thoughts. And as time went on, the attacks began to manifest in different ways. Um, she had all sorts of really bad physical reactions, difficulty swallowing. It was, it was just a really, really full-on thing. Mm. Um, and then, th- like, th- and when that article came out, it it was, it wasn't like promoting a record. It was promoting like mental mental health and mental well-being. Um, and I read that article and was like, oh man, that's going to be a long, a long kind of process to get back to making music. So when the record, when I saw that this record came out, I just got so excited because it had been so publicly logged. I think there was even a documentary about her battles with mental illness. So like to, just to start with the fact that this record is out and, and the energy that it's got is just an amazing, amazing moment. So perhaps... I'll throw to you was to get your read on the record. Dude, thanks for that intro. That's really interesting. Um, when I put this album on a couple of days ago, I had like zero ideas who Laura was. And I think I might have pronounced her surname incorrectly in the intro tonight. So apologies. But like I was three songs in and I'm frantically Googling everything I could find out about her. Who she was, what her musical background was, and how the hell I'd not heard of her. And then five songs in, I'm texting people with the Spotify link. Yeah, right. I knew you'd love it. I knew it. I needed this album real bad this week. And look, we said it before, and we'll no doubt say it again, but Eric, the UK music scene is on fire. Uh, Absolutely on fire. Songwriting, vocalists, composition, production. Like, it's just so interesting on so many levels what's going on over there. And it's exciting. Like, new directions in pop, hip-hop, R&B. It's not paint by numbers and there's something about it that – it doesn't feel like it's corporate or greed-driven. It it doesn't feel like it's about the bling and the cars and the clothes and the socials. It just – it feels authentic. Mm. And and it just feels like people are sort of pushing and trying to make interesting art. So, I just want to leave with that. So – First thing I'll say is, like, this album is certainly not groundbreaking. Like, it's a million miles away from being a groundbreaking album. But this is, for me, this is an album that I would personally aspire to create, something like this. Like, the sheer balls of this album is incredible. Like, so many songs start like classic hits from the 80s, but then they head off in a different direction. And Laura's voice, like, she hits, she controls... Yep. She owns, she destroys. Like, mm. she is insane. Like, yeah. her voice is incredible. Um, but there's so many bands that, you know, that have influenced this album, like, and especially UK ones, like Tears for Fears and Duran Duran, Grace Jones, Thompson Twins, Talking Heads, Peter Gabriel. Um, and the reason I reference these artists, because, like, you could easily say, like, the MJ and Billy Ocean have, have influenced this, but... It's the straightness of the drum machine programming, which has more mm. of like that UK straight ahead vibe as opposed to the swing of, of the US tracks. And also like the gnarly synth lead choices, like a straight from the UK school of like, it's so offensive, let's put on put them on a track anyway and, and just go with it. Like it's, it's awesome. So Safe Passage, the first song, um, it feels like the song I wanted Zara McFarlane to make on her incredible album from last year, and mm. I, th- I thought there were similarities vocally. Um, it's an incredible opener. 
um, conditional, has that like tribal groove, killer horn stabs. And that chorus opens up from like the tension to resolve. It's awesome. Uh, I tri- love that. Yeah, I love that. That was the one that had that sort of Quincy Jones yeah, yeah, yeah. horn arrangement. Oh, my God. How good is that? Horn arrangements, yeah. Um, Church Girl, I think, is one of the singles. Like the effect on her voice, which you really pick up on the end, it's really cool. Um, like the slow jam magical is awesome. and But then that gets upstaged by the slow jam of What Matters, like featuring Simon Neal, like amazing vocal. And the chord progression of the verse is just so golden. I just love it. Um, got Me, did someone say um, when the – oh, yeah, the Got Me. That's like the, when the going gets tough, like bass line. So do we think that maybe she's going to get a phone call about that? But, like, you know, then it opens up and it's just a banger. And the guitar playing in that, it's like, oh, it's so MJ. It's so awesome. Um, and then I'm sort of getting references to Pointer Sisters and Flashdance and then the ELO breakdown in the middle of that track. Like, like I was on board, man. I was totally on board. And so, like, I did read an article from Laura about what inspired this album, and she basically said that she used to steal her dad's Earth, Wind & Fire album when she was young. That makes sense. And she loved it so much and how happy it made her feel uh, that she just wanted to make – like she said she could put it on repeat and just never get sick of it and still does. And that was sort it's of like her Pearl inspiration. Jam 10 for me. Yeah, <laughs> to spin the black circle. Um, Can't wait for your grunge album, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. So that, like, that was her inspiration and the mission statement for this album, like just make something up to, and happy and something that you could just keep playing. So like, I wrap it up and I say the real hero on this album is Laura herself. Like, her vocal performance is freaking insane. Like, how's it the, is how's the, unbelievable. How She just goes hard. Like, but like, with so much control, dude. Yeah. Like, it's so controlled. Like, she's all over it. But you know, like, sometimes you hear vocalists where, like, like I felt like as I was going through it, I was like, man, she's just going all in on these vocal performances. And you kind of go can I listen to a full record of this? And then you realise you can. And it's because she does it so good. Like, she's just... I I don't think I've heard an album which hits as hard vocally in the the performance level for years. Like, I don't know. Like, what's the comparison? I don't know. Is it like... She's picked the perfect keys that she sings in to get those high notes, like, with just so much power in them. Oh, God. It is just... I don't, I, like, I don't know if it's the best album that anyone – like, it's obviously an 80s throwback album. That's what it is. It's 80s dance music done impeccably well. Mm. And this feels like it's an album for me because I yeah. love <laughs> shit. Like, I love it. Like, I just think it's brilliant. Like, it's just – it's what I needed this week and I'm, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, thank you for bringing it. And I was not expecting it and awesome. I'm really happy. To what about you, Ryan? How'd you go with it? I went great with it as well. Um I tried to write down my favourite tracks and I ended up writing down one, two, three, four, six, seven, nine, and ten. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's yeah. a pretty good sign. But um on it being an eighties throwback, like I don't think anything sounded this good in the eighties. No, like, that's this is, that's true. It's modern production. The yeah. Production and the mixing is unbelievable. Yeah. This like, is what you wish that could have sounded like in the eighties. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's um no, I had such a good time listening to this and um I just kept going back to it as well. Like not just not just because we're doing a review of it, because I thought I want to hear that again. And um, the tracks with the impossible horn lines, like I think it was track two, <laughs> yeah. has that. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What the hell? And um, I really wanted to know 
who played that stuff, but it's kind of hard to find credits nowadays, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. They probably um, went in a time machine back to Stevie Wonder's Songs in the Care of Life and just got that horn section to do it maybe. Oh, my God. Well, Dan Hume produced the record. Dan Hume. That's right. Wow. Um, As in, is that, so, that's Australian Dan Hume, right? Uh, almost. <laughs> oh, sorry. In the same way that uh, one of our next albums is an Australian artist. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. But let, let's claim him because it's amazing. It's produced by Laura and Dan Hume, and then some of them are also co- co-produced with Troy Miller. I had so, a hard time finding who's Dan out. Hume? Dan Hume is, uh, is he was in Kiwi. Evermore. He's a New Zealand guy. He was in what was the band called? Evermore. Evermore, Evermore. Right. and yeah, the Hume brothers have, wow. have turned in. Both the Hume brothers are now like really well-established producers, right? I yep. think there's there's another and he's Hume. done he did like the first two Lisa Mitchell albums yeah got yeah and, and he's done a bunch of stuff I probably haven't listened to like um, Amy Shark and um, yeah Tash Sultana and uh, Matt Corby and like yeah just a lot of stuff but like I, all of that I couldn't have seen this album coming out of him mm. like it's it's, a, so it's incredible it sounds incredible yeah vocally but- <laughs> the EQ is incredible. Yep. There was a, a third producer on some of the tracks as well called Troy Miller and um, all I could find out about him is that it's the name of Dieter Brummer's character on Neighbours. So. Oh, my God. That's really sad. <laughs> that is sad. He died. Yeah. No. So topical, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah. anyway, it's not that Troy Miller, I'm assuming. Okay. Unless one of you guys went on Wikipedia and made some changes. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, um, I, I also – read that after her previous album she got dumped by her record company via email. So What was that that, that kind of that exactly. I, I, I listening to this, you, you just kind of hear that she's free to do whatever she wants. Mm. She wanted to do this and did it an amazing job with it and it's um yeah, it's just you can just Yeah, it, it's I reckon bonus points for that too. And um yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's great. And I, I also wrote down, I bet there's pink neon in the videos. And I, <laughs> that um, when the going gets tough track, I, I checked out the video for that the other day. And yeah, there's pink neon. It's in a car wash and there's exercise bikes. And yeah, like it's. I saw her do it on Graham Norton when I oh, looked cool. it up as well. And there was also pink neon on that as well. <laughs> wow, there you go. <laughs> Well, look, for me... But yeah, she she reminded me of, like, Whitney Houston and Chuck yeah. Carr and Grace Jones. Oh, great comparison. Like, just yes. vocally, and but also sounding like none of them as well and just, I don't know, just... I wonder I how... It just um, turned well, out so great. Well, just, before we go, actually, Ariki, go and then I'll ask the question. Yeah, no I just, just one more thing. Can you imagine, like, just try to think about how well this album went and how badly it could have gone. Like, think about... Just the idea of an established artist dropping everything and going, I'm going to do an 80s album. Yeah. And the places that could go. So this is Totally. And, and she didn't yeah. have There's that so many pitfalls. Form. There's she- pitfalls all over the place with doing an album like this. And yep. I, I think the success of it is that she, like, went there. She fully committed to doing it. And that's what it yep. sounds like. Yep. Yeah, look, for, for me, I mean, I, my, my like, 80s music knowledge is pretty limited, um, so I might have gotten my comparisons wrong, but my favourite songs were um, uh, Unconditional, I loved that, and I think we've all clocked that Quincy Jones-esque uh, horn section turnaround, 
Um, and I felt like that was, you know, it also had the, almost like, as you also said it was, I, I, I'd written down, it had like a, um, a Talking Heads vibe to it as well. Yeah. Um, which was like, wow, okay, cool. And then I, I loved Remedy. Um, it just gave me a real Prince feeling. And that was when I was like, man, she's, I don't remember what song it was, like what number in the, it was that song, song four, and it had already been four songs of like, absolute monster vocal performances and similarly pink noise to me was just an absolute hit as well so yeah let's um are they hits though okay so this is the question like can an album like this do well commercially well i hope so i just <laughs> i i mean i'm going to talk about this a little bit on our neck on one of our next records but i th- i'm actually very excited by like okay there's like there's the pop music. There's the pop music that we've reviewed on this podcast before. Like we've done Bieber, and you know, and there's like that world of pop music, which which is almost like a different world. And then there's like also this other kind of pop music where it's I'm feeling like like good songwriting is starting to kind of come back. Like as in like I'm I'm not just saying all like I think songwriters and people making records in a pop fashion are going beyond like the cookie cutter model and people are trying to actually do stuff. I mean, think well, in the like, UK they are. Well, yeah. And I mean, Harry Styles is another great example who just like, just wrote a record, you know, from a couple of years ago, which was like the dude from one direction and it comes out and it's like, this is all, all killer, all killer. Um, so yeah, I want to, I want to talk a little about that because one of our next albums was a pop release and, you know, we talked about Billie Eilish a couple of weeks ago, which is going to be the biggest record of the year and w- w- how that represents pop music. And I think it's an interesting time. So, All right. Well, before we do that, Eric, mm. we, we, we like to go one album at a time on this. So I think we should send it to the review or well, the unofficial review. Oh, my God. I've got it so wrong tonight. <laughs> I'm going to throw it to you, Eric, to introduce tonight's unofficial sponsor. Thank you, Waza. So every week on the All Music Is Good podcast, we like to shout out the unofficial podcast sponsor of the week. The unofficial podcast sponsor may not have ever donated anything materially or even, uh, well, they might have donated spiritually, but basically they, they don't necessarily know that they're on this podcast and we haven't made any actual contact with them. But that's okay because all we want to do is just celebrate the things we love and sometimes it will be a thing, it could be a shop, it could be a suburb, it could be a product or it could be a concept. So, without any further delays, this week's unofficial podcast sponsor is the extra surprise stuff that shows up in your fish and chips order. Oh yeah, all right. All right, all right. One of my favourites. Let's uh, let's talk Does this one through. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you guys, but so I have hit fish and chips jackpot in the last couple of years, right? Lucky bastard. So I grew up in the um, in the southeast. I grew up just on the on the corner of North Road and Hawthorne Road. And there was a great place called the Jim's Fish and Chip Shop. And Jim's yeah, you, fi- you told me about that one about fifteen years ago. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll never forget it because it was the best fish and chips. And um, I didn't. Li- I didn't live anywhere near there, but I still went there just because you, you talked it up so. Much. I'd spruiked it. Well, it was a, look, a great fish and chippery. And um, I mean, is it still there, Alec? Sorry, <laughs> is it still there? Uh, it is, but Jim has moved. Either Jim's passed oh, or he's moved back to Greece. Basically, oh. Jim uh, was running the joint. Then uh, Terry 
Terry, Terry was kind of in partnership with and with Jim and Terry got into some trouble and and that didn't work out and then Jim put too of, much extra stuff in his fish maybe and chips. maybe yeah <laughs> and then uh, and then Tim and then Jim either went back I think Jim went back to Greece and he sold the it's still there it's still called Jim's Fish Shop but fortunately Jim's not uh, running it anymore but anyways. Um, what he used to do was you'd go in, you'd got your flake, which is just, he'd batter it and then he'd grill it. It would never be deep fried. So it was battered and then grilled, yeah, delicious. Yeah. And, um, and you get your chip, you get your flake chips and two potato cakes. Yeah. And then you'd and? come home and there's three potato cakes. And every single time that would happen, you'd be like, is that an accident? But no, no, no. It's a fish and chip code, right? Because then moving, like, moving along, it took me years to find another good fish and chip. Like, they're just authentico. I don't need this fancy franchise bullshit. I need, like, yeah, yeah. I suburban fish and chips. And last year... I want a grill uh, that hasn't been cleaned for, like, years. Yeah, exactly. So last year I, I, um, I moved to Brunswick and um, there was this great fish and chip place called Union Street... Sorry, Union Square Fish and Chips... And I started going there and I was like, this is good. And then I'd, I'd buy my fisherman's basket, which would be a flake. Basic. So it, was, it was an interesting one. It always got complicated. I'd go, can I have a, I'd get the basket, which was the flake, two calamari rings, yep. two scallops and chips. And I, and I don't like scallops. So I'd be like, hey, can I swap out the, um, the scallops for some potato cakes? And they'd be like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, but it's... No, no, you can't do that. They're cheaper. Yeah, and they're cheaper. Like, you know, because we bundle it all up beforehand. So they're just in these bundles. No, they don't. How do they bundle it up? I don't fucking know. It was crazy. I don't know what she was talking about. They put it in like a sort of like a sack and then put it in the fryer. (laughs) That's what she was alluding to. Anyways, but I did love the fish and chips. And I was like, I think I found like my new spot. Then um, that kind of finished up. I moved to Preston. And then I went to this other place, which is just around the corner. And I was like, a flake chips and two potato cakes. And I got my fish and chips and there it was flake chips and three potato cakes and I was like that is wild and then um, went back for a second time flake chips two potato cakes flake chips three potato cakes yes I was like fucking yes and then um, and then so then the other day I went back to the Brunswick place this was a couple of nights ago and I was like uh, flake chips uh, two two prawns so it was basically two prawns and uh, two calamari rings and mm. two scallops. That was in the, the pack. And I was like, um, oh, can I trade the scallops for <laughs> for two potato cakes? And they were like, nah, but you can trade for two prawns. And I was like, four prawns? He's like, yeah, no worries. And, and then uh, and it was going to be $19. And then uh, I got to the shop and... You know, got and and then, Why and then are they he so said prejudiced against potatoes. Right. At I don't this know, place. but then he's like, it's going to be twenty one dollars, and I was like, what for? What? And he's like, the tomato sauce. I was like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> Anyways, I get my fish and chips. I go to the park, flake, five prawns, two calamari rings, and chips. And I'm like, this is definitely a code, which made me think more about also like the other fish and chip place. You get your free sauce, so. The question to you guys is, is there a kind of fish and chip economy where you chuck in extra stuff, but you bump the sauce cost up? Like, is that is that the trick? Because, or do you price in your sauce to, um, to you know, cover the, the additional items? How do you see it working? Have you had similar experiences before with your fish and chipperies? 
Yeah, that's a good that's a good question. How much is sauce anyway? Well, sauce. Are we, are we talking like the little single serving in the plastic? It, no, no, it's not thing that one. That you squeeze. It's not oh, the okay. squeezy one. I got I got the I got the tub, which is like oh. the same as two of the squeezy ones. And well, it, how much okay. does a bottle of tomato sauce cost from uh, Coles? Probably like three bucks. Yeah, I mean they must be making a killing on the tomato killing sauce. Killing on the that's sauce. A, that's a cartel. So that's the margin. Tomato sauce growers. I mean, uh, so technically. Could you say then that um, basically uh, maybe this week's rating scale is the amount of additional shit you throw in the box to cover (laughs) the tomato surcharge? Or like, I just want to, I just want to say, I think you should take 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 things off for the tomato sauce surcharge. So I'm gonna I'm gonna propose that we we have a, a, a flake. And two potato scallops and chips and a, and a medium chips is like that's that's a five, right? That's, okay. At, and then anything else you want, to, we can add stuff into it for extras, like so maybe a dim potato scallops worth one, a dim sims two. Are you doing a, the you're doing the itemized scale again, aren't yeah, you? Like like, you like to simplify. Well, so I'm going to say I'm going to say you need to stay on top of your game. I don't want this lazy, this lazy recycled <laughs> stuff. I, I want to hear hear from Ryan. How would you like to? <laughs> Score this in the fish and chip rating scale. Uh, um, I feel like all you ever get is one extra of the thing you ordered. It is true. Yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe it could be like, how many potato cakes did I need to order to get a free one? Okay. Okay. But then that that's kind of a negative. That's one of those confusing <laughs> scales where it, like lower is better. Okay. How about this? How about we just design our own meals, which which is in relation to what this score is. Okay. So yeah, I, might, I can do that. You know, this is what it's going to be. So, like, I, I, I just want to quickly um, acknowledge the Oakley Fish and Chippery who are always um, half an hour late with their orders when you order them online. <laughs> and so basically there is a riot of like 50 people out there. When did you get here? What time did you get here? What time's your order? And then you go uh, quarter past seven and it's like quarter to eight. And they're like, Ugh. and people just like are going to torch that place soon. <laughs> I can feel it. There's so much anger on a Friday night outside the Oakley Fishing but can Ship. You imagine the redemption. Game, people. But can you imagine the redemption when they like nail all the timings? Pe- the They're forgiveness. Do it. It's been going on for years. And oh, my, okay. my partner it's- always says, okay, can you go get some chips? I don't want to go down there. I don't want to go there. You go there. Because <laughs> it's just like always half an hour late. But if you get there too late, then you stand in the line to actually get it because they don't call your name out again. Oh, oh it's yeah, outrageous. That is intense. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> just need to get that off my chest. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, um, Wise. So I'm going to just go with the, with the rating, okay? I'm just going to go. So I love this album. This album was awesome. This would be my like one of my best orders from a from a fish and chip shop, not Oakley Fish and Chippery, but another fish and chip shop. I'm going to say it's like um, it's a pack. We'll have a burger with the lot, Oof. some chips. Some some calamari rings, the sauce and the mayo's f- thrown in for free. Oh, but yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And a can of drink and a can of like kind of pasito, um, mm. passion fruit drink. <laughs> um, and it's like a nine and a half for me. Like I don't know if it is a nine and a half, but I'm giving it a nine and a half. I love this album. Awesome. All right. Well, I might go next. Um, to yeah. I mean, I think you know the. If I was to box this up in a, if I was to, 
If I was to turn Laura Mavula's, you know, most uh, most important work to date into a fish and chip analogy, I would say that um, the fish is grilled, yeah, um, well battered, uh, fresh batter, morning batter, you know, nice beer battered, beer battered, but more, you know, with it's just artisan, it's artisan fresh. beer battered, yeah. yep. Um, Th- two potato cakes after you order three potato cakes. Sorry, two pota- three potato cakes after you order two potato cakes, and and a serve of chips that's not going to make you throw out the rest of the chips. So you just want to hit that sweet spot, and I think she has. Um, no additional fish required. Um, the tartar sauce and tomato sauce been thrown in, mate. Don't worry about it. We're going to take care of you. That's the kind of vibe that. That this uh, this record's got for me, so yeah, I'm going to give it sort of. I, I'd, I'd I'd be sitting in the eight eight category for that. Yeah, nice. Thanks, Eric. Well deserved. Um, do you guys know what they call potato cakes in New South Wales? Potato scallops. How confusing is that? That's so ridiculous. I'll you never called them that before, Sydney. was it? You I actually don't call them it. That. I didn't mean to because that's what they've got back on. They're, some places in Melbourne do call them potato scallops as well. I hate oh. that. It's crazy. What state are we in, man? Do they look That's... like a scallop? They look way more like a cake than a scallop. Yeah. Well, uh, they don't look like a cake either, so I don't think we can really defend that either. But, um, That's but very true. Yeah, how many cakes just are these just flat, like no contour it, things? It's totally an analogy for the state of tension between New South Wales and Victoria <laughs> at the moment. I think you've just hit it right. It's true. <laughs> um. Yeah, this this album is a burger with the lot. It's it's really got it all, and yeah. uh, sources included. And um, there used to be this place up Brunswick Street, like north of Alexander Parade, called Old School Fish and Chips, and it was run by these skater dudes who um, were just never open when the sign said they would be. So I couldn't <laughs> rely on them, but they did like used to wrap up the bundle with this really complicated origami maneuver that sort of. <laughs> Yes. Meant that it wouldn't unravel on the way home. That was really cool. Anyway, th- this album has been wrapped up perfectly. And uh, yeah, I'll give it a nine, I think. Yes. Nine. Big scores. Awesome. Uh, this is, I'm really interested to go back and have a listen to this album out of lockdown to just, just check that, you know, it is as good as I think it is. But I think it is. It's just, it was just gorgeous. It was a gorgeous album. And I, I, Eric, I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see what she does next as well. Mm, mm, mm. Well, I wouldn't mind checking out what um, what uh, what's his name? Hume? What's Dan? Dan Hume? Dan Hume. Hume. What else he's doing? I mean, because if he's producing work like this, this is solid A grade hamburger with the lot material. It is. So it's a nine point. So it's a, was it nine point five and nine and an eight for Laura Mavula's Pink Noise album. We'll be back with our second review shortly. It's a blue day. We could jump a When I hit that water When it holds me I think about my father Doing the same thing When he was a boy When he was a boy 
So the second album we have this evening is Lord's new release, Solar Power, born Ella Yelich O'Connor on November 7th, 1996, and Takapuna, New Zealand. Lord delved into art at an early age. By the time she was entering adolescence, she started performing as a duo with her friend Lewis MacDonald, winning a talent contest at Belmont Intermediate School in May 2009. Soon the pair were featured on... Radio New Zealand's afternoon show hosted by Jim Mora and on the strength of this performance and a tape McDonald's father sent to Universal, the record label signed a development deal for Lord. How does this shit happen? I don't understand. Throughout, I mean, obviously she's insanely talented. Um, throughout 2010, she continued to attend school and perform with McDonald. But 2011 is when things started to turn a little more serious. Universal teamed the singer with vocal coach Frances Dickinson and started to write originals, often with the assistance of other songwriters, but nothing clicked until her A&R head Scott McLaughlin introduced her to Joel Little, the former lead singer of Goodnight Nurse. Little proved a good collaborator for the fledgling singer-songwriter and the pair recorded the Love Club EP, which appeared on SoundCloud in November 2012. Love Club swiftly earned an audience, so Universal released it commercially in March 2013. It peaked at number two on the New Zealand and Australian charts. The reason for its immediate success was Royals, which was spun off as a single in the summer of 2013 and soon swept across the globe, where it topped the charts in the US, the UK, Canada and Italy, reaching the top ten in most other Western countries. Her full-length debut, Pure Heroine, followed in September and it also became an international smash, earning triple platinum certification in the US, won, oh, what's that, quintuple platinum certification in New Zealand, and gold in the UK, blah, blah, blah. Um, she toured and headlined many festivals around the world and took home the Grammy Award for Song of the Year for Best Pop Performance for Royals. Um, Lord next turned her attention to writing and recording her second album, which took nearly two years to materialise when she began collaborating with Jack Antonoff of Fun and Bleachers in 2016. The and, record took shape. And, and every, everything and else. Everyone. Every other sort everything, of major yeah. US pop hit. Yep. Um, Green Light, the first single from a sophomore set, appeared in 2017 with the full-length melodrama following in June. Great song. The, Critical hit, the effort received a nomination for Album of the Year at the 2018 Grammy Awards and took home an award of the same name in her native New Zealand. Uh, where are we going with this? In June 2021, uh, just there's a whole bunch of stuff that she went home, has gone to Antarctica, took, did some photography. Um, in June 2021, Lord returned with Solar Power, her first single in four years. It was the title track from Solar Power, an album she co-produced once again with Jack Antonoff that has appeared um, just last week, I think, or two yep, weeks yep, ago. Just last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, two, okay, two weeks. So yep. who'd like to kick this one off? I'm, I'm, I'm happy to kick this one off. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I hadn't looked at the credits yet, and it's things are starting to get a little bit clearer in my head. Um around some of the things that we discussed just prior, which is where pop music is going. And 
Oh, it's going oh, to Jack Antonov's house. <laughs> <laughs> right? But I'm going to I'll talk about that in a sec, but you know, I'll give you my first my first um I guess my first assessment of it, which is basically that I, I rate Lord as a really great songwriter who plays around with chordal harmony really well with you know an interesting set of words and stories. So she I, I rate her as a songwriter, like period. This record um, was I feel like was the record that is going to be the precursor to the record that defines her in so much as I felt this record was um, her searching to find herself. Um, fundamentally, it's a down-tempo album, very introspective, and feels that it definitely represents the times that we're living through, and that it kind of tipped its toe... She tipped her toe in the water to test out where she wants to be, as opposed to like a full-scale assault to re-establish herself as what I think she wants as to where I think she wants to be, which is like a kind of psych-bent kind of pop artist. So overall, I I keep on coming back to St. Vincent because I felt, again, there were some shades of what she does in this record, um, but it didn't have the bombastic element. Um, It obviously... Well, it just reminded me of Lana Del Rey um, and also Billie Eilish's new record. And then you start to go, but hold on a minute, both Lana and... Billie Eilish have appropriated Lord's vibe um, on their new albums. So who's referencing who here and what the hell is going on? Um, and then and that basically took me to a conclusion, which is interesting to what you said earlier, which is I'm actually really excited with where pop music is right now compared to a few years ago. And I also think that without like being binary on gender, but the female pop genre seems to be really pushing hard and taking bigger and braver steps than, say, the male pop genre. And, you know, we're seeing this in these really, really big releases by... Well, Ariana Grande yeah, released Billie Eilish, Ariana well. Grande, um, etc. So, um, my favourite tracks... Uh, I, I, the Path, I felt, was, you know, opening track really set the tone. Solar Power was really strong. Um, and But, like, was a bit problematic for me in so much as it just felt like a George Michael cover like actually the same chords and the same feeling um, and then finally California just because of the name really and everyone needs a name <laughs> exactly. everyone yeah. needs a song on the, their record called California so like you know she already everyone had has one. Yeah. Um, but, I, but I will just finish with this which is like Jack Antonoff was the producer on Taylor Swift's record yep this record, I think he was also the They're producer on Lana Del Rey's record. And mm. do we need to start thinking about what his role is um, in kind of some of this sort of new pop world? Or is he in service? How influential is he in taking it into the directions? I will say that pre him being involved, you know, Lord was a, was a big fan of Bowie and... Um, and I think she met him and Bowie was kind of a bit like a mentor to her in the very, very early days. Um, and on her last record, she was like touching Bowie like kind of stylistically and she's gone, she's doubled down on this one. But it's still uncertain as to how deep she wants to go because she might be obligated to deliver something that's, you know, poppy and American. So 
they're, they're the questions I've got. Um, I'll throw to one of you guys. Who wants to go next? Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, I'm glad you enjoyed this, Eric. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you, you said something about how deep does she want to go. I, I found this uh, this album an extremely shallow dive. Like, the production was really sparse and tasteful, but... I felt like the the themes of the songs were very uh, superficial, I guess, unless there's something I was missing. But, mm. um, I mean, the, the theme seemed to be I'm only happy when it's sunny and the, that seems less worth writing a song about than I'm only happy when it rains, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, like a, um, a lot of it was kind of a story that didn't really have a twist or like I was just sort of listening thinking... Does there need to be a song about this? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, I did, I think about three tracks in, I laughed out loud with headphones on in Coles that one of the songs was called California. Because I remember you and when uh, Danny Faruja was on the podcast, you guys talked about how you just have to have a track called California. I could not believe that track three yeah, yeah. was actually called California. <laughs> It really, it's a thing. It's a secret code. It is a secret code. It it lives in the same world as the um, extra potato cake, you know? (laughs) Yeah, for sure. What did you think of Stone at the Nail Salon? Do you remember that song? Because that was was one of those moments where I was like, am I into these lyrics or... Well, this is... This isn't like something I would say about every album I listen to, but I guess this is... She's kind of telling you stories about stuff to to put it extremely vaguely but i feel like there's a lot of stuff going on in the world at the moment that you could write songs about and yeah lord kind of swans in and says hey you know it's really hard to be a millionaire on the red carpet yep. these days mm. and <laughs> i feel like she was i don't know kind of coming from an extremely privileged position with a lot of a lot of the the themes, I guess. Is it something? And I, I'm, I, I just decided about halfway through the album, this isn't for me. Yep. It's probably for someone else, but it's not me. I'm going to go listen to Laura and Vuller again. So <laughs> <Good shit. laughs> <I did. laughs> But does it speak a little bit to, like, if you're a young artist that comes to success really quickly and so you've got this whole life of where you're young and then you become, yeah, and then you've got your teenage stories that are true and earnest and real and, 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 and you record something and then you become a multi-millionaire living in Hollywood. Like, how do you tap those lived experiences to, to be able to tell a new story? Like, are, you, are, there, example, like, are, are there examples that any, either of you can imagine where there's been a young artist that's come up and then, you know, in their, in their great success, they've actually been able to comment on the world? Um, you know, I, mean, I think on some, most things you ha- you have to own your experiences, whatever they are, and yeah. and be convincing with what what they are. If you try and sort of be fake on or, or not authentic, that that comes across really quickly. So she just has to own what it is. I think I, I don't have an issue with that. Mm, I think she is. Um, and I was uh, on one of the lyric sites, you know, like the Genius or something, and reading the lyrics as I was listening just to see what it was about. And um, there were some comments on there that she's made about the 
the songs and uh, one of them was this songs about getting older and settling into domesticity and I laughed out loud because she's 24 yeah, exactly. <laughs> like yeah. and I, what is domesticity for her yeah I mean I know domesticity for me at the age of 24 was like I went to the supermarket and and like bought my own my first bunch of groceries purely for me and yeah, you went yeah. and bought your own um, copy of No Code, I reckon. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's domesticity. Yeah, I'm going to put on whatever fucking Pearl Jam disc I want right now at whatever time of the day. Yeah. That's interesting. Anything one. else, Ryan? Not really. Didn't didn't really get a lot of that out of this one, I'm afraid. All right. Well. But I, I, I'm also aware that. I'm not going to meet Lord, so that makes me feel more comfortable about saying this out loud. That's but, okay. Um, I think it's. I mean, you know, I know you've got a theory on how we review albums, but like, I don't think it's bad to say <laughs> bad to say that. I mean, it's not. You know, you didn't like it. You didn't. You didn't gel with it. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I, I said worse things than that. I said right. this isn't worth writing a song about. But, right. um, it's cool, but all uh, music is good. All music is good. All music is good. I, I can edit out good. one thing, but not two. So yeah. I will fix it in post. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. That's right. Well, so what about you? Um, I'm going to take a different tack with this and review this backwards. I think because, like, I I am feeling what both of you are saying, um, and I've got elements of both of those things. So, um, conclusion first, right? For me, this girl had a global smash hit as a 16 year old she was like the youngest person to have a number one hit song since a six, six, 16 year old burst onto the scene in 1987 with a mega hit does anyone know what that may have been oh um she's, she's the youngest uh, person to have a number one hit since 1987 crisscross tiffany Oh, Ryan's on fire tonight. <laughs> on fire. I didn't know she was 16. She seemed like an adult when I was seven years old. Yeah, when that came I agree. Out. I remember when Six. that came out. Yeah. Yep, I think we're alone now. Um, was she 16 then? Wow. She was 16. And I, was, and I went back to the chart from uh, that day. Can anyone think about what other songs want to be on the charts in 1987? Definitely. Uh uh, the flame by Cheap Trick. What? What? what well, I think I was eighty-eight. Was I think the flame. Okay. Um, it, it's it's interesting because Dirty Dancing had obviously just came out, so right. I've had the time of my life was was roaring up the charts to number six, and I went down and Eric Carmen's eighty-seven uh, eighty-seven was just burst on. But if you go through this, it's real. It's a really interesting sort of mishmash of when music was changing over. Madonna's at number two. Moni Moni Billy Idol at number three. But then we had Little Eyes by Fleetwood Mac at four. Wow, yeah. Um, Changing the guard. Swing Out Sister, Break Out, seven. Bruce Springsteen at eight. What was the number eight? Was Brilliant Disguise by Bruce okay. Springsteen. It's a Sin by Pet Shop Boys at ten. Belinda Carlisle, Heaven is a Place on Earth. Eleven, With a good. Bullet. Should have known better, Richard Marks. Oh, just, oh just Richard so- Marks was a great singer. Was that eighty seven? Oh man, that's earlier than I thought. Okay, Prince, you got the look. Seventeen, yeah. Poison, I won't forget you. Sting, twenty. Interesting stuff in here. Debbie Gibson, shake your love. Interesting time. Faith, Mike, George, Michael. There you go, Eric. So lots of lots of interesting white snakes in here. Ario Speedwagon. Jeez, it was a real crossover time for music when we're sort of the older than new were crossing over. Nine ninety seven. Anyway. Just a bit of bit of trivia for you. Um, 
And uh, and in, just in case anyone's wondering, I'm not trying to use Tiffany's career moving forward as a metaphor for Lord's career. Um, like a bit of context, like I I don't know if you liked Royals. I thought Royals was just incredible. Loved it. I sort of an incredible song. I particularly loved her singing. I loved when she sang with Nirvana when they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of oh, Fame. She did, yeah. Well, she sang oh, yeah, um, all that. apologies. Yeah, she sang all apologies from Enduro, mm. and it was freaking cool. Like yeah. I know a lot of people canned it out, but I actually really liked it. Um, so like when album two rolled around, I was really interested in checking it out, and you know, obviously Jack Antonoff had, was on it. Um, so, you know, it was just interesting to see what she'd do when she was paired up with such a like, you know, iconic pop production or tour. And, you know, obviously Lord and Tay Tay are, are good mates, so you know, there was that oh, link as well. There it is. Okay. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Um and after giving it a few spins, I came to the conclusion that for whatever reason, it was sort of close but no cigar for me. Like it wasn't bad, but and it was it sounded great, but I've, I never got the sense that she's a rule of the world pop artist, um, and that didn't feel authentic. It felt like someone else's version. Um, and the second thing I want to say is that, like, I, I think it would be really hard to comprehend the sort of pressures that Lord must feel. Like, you know, global mega hit as a teenager, signed to a massive record deal, but as a writer, still being you know in their infancy and probably not knowing who they are as an artist and a person. Mm. Um, so yeah, while I think that that second album didn't feel like her, I was really keen to check out this album. So yeah, the album, um, I thought it was interesting that Antonoff was back on board for this. Like, could you, could you tell that? Like, I couldn't tell that from listening to it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't, I can't, I mean, I haven't listened to enough of how to, how to say this. I, you know, I'm, when I listen to records, it's not like I come in knowing he's produced it, I go, oh, it's always an afterthought going, oh, yeah, Jack Antonoff, okay, okay. So I wasn't conscious of trying to pick if there's a, there's an imprint of his sound, but, yeah, go on. Um, all right, I'm just going to cut to it. I didn't like this at all. Um, oh, thank God. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and if I'm being really honest, like I hear what you're saying, Eric, and I, I actually – possibly agree with you i feel like this might be the journey to somewhere um but this is you know this has gone on a you know down a you know a, a dead end i think like i don't think there's gonna be much of an art market for this album and like the problem i had with it was i just couldn't connect with any song on any level and it just felt like She's trying to be interesting and quirky, and I and I and she's tr- challenging herself musically. But there was nothing musical that rooted any of the songs. I didn't think, um, except for perhaps the opening track for me. Like I, I thought that the um, the sort of the, the harmonies that were very Crosby, Stills and Nash on that sort of first one was was interesting, and uh, I, I felt like I literally for the next ten songs it sort of didn't do anything like that. That appealed to me yeah. until the bookend, and it feels shit saying this because who wants to have to keep writing the same number one hit sort of style song? But that last track was it Oceans or something Oceans? Mm-hmm. I honestly don't know. But it sounded very similar to Royals, like being a quick two sort of chord tune that just gave her a blank canvas to sort of weave melodies over, which she does really well. And I thought that was kind of successful. 
But yeah, as I said, in terms of songs, I just couldn't find a way in, which I found really strange because normally on any album we listen to, you generally sort of have an in point, yep. which sort of helps you understand what's happening. But this didn't have it for, for me. So like, as, as Ryan said, maybe she's just sort of sort of some kind of Kiwi genius and I'm not getting it. Um, but I think the reality is she's still a young artist, as you said, Eric, and that, you know, I think I'm, I'm applauding her for making something that's different and she's trying to challenge herself and the listener, but it just wasn't for me. Yeah. Just God, as, did, I, did I take a long time to no, say No, that's, that's just legit. Just as, before we go to our rating scale, FYI, Jack Antonoff's credits in the last year are inc- like St. Vincent, Lana Del Rey, Taylor Swift and Lord, all four records that we've reviewed on this show. And yeah. there's been an article going, Jack Antonoff's fingerprints are everywhere. And the headline in the BBC is, Ugh. Jack Antonoff has redefined... Call pop- Crime Stoppers then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jack, Jack Antonoff has redefined pop music. So just before we go to our reviews, I think... Well, you didn't is, like the Taylor Swift album. I didn't well, love didn't it. didn't like the Lana Del Rey album. Uh, well, I love the St. Vincent, Vincent album. Hey, have you seen the, the documentary about her? No. no. Holy what, shit. What, what, yeah. pla- what streaming platform? Uh, it was on it at um, Myth. Myth. Oh, I watched I'd it online it. during that. It's She's the best. Like if you think about normal documentaries about musicians and then watch this like it goes completely david lynch it's amazing oh, anyway, wow. it's um her and you know carrie brownstein from uh slater kinney oh, and yeah. um also reviewed on this pod oh, yeah. you you, re- you reviewed that album yeah, yeah, here, didn't yeah. you? great album yeah. yeah she she's in it as well and she's um kind of making the the doco i guess and it's yeah, you got to see it. That's yeah. cool. I'd love to. Well, Gilly told me he got um, a friend, a mutual friend of all of ours, got a a link to the, her masterclass from from oh, wow. someone and watched it and just said it was actually really incredible. Like he got a no lot doubt. of it. She's one of the best guitarists on the planet right now. She's, yeah, she's amazing. So yeah. good. I, all I, right. I guess before we just take it to the radio, I just wanted to just just throw just open this up as you know maybe we don't even have to discuss this, but. We have, you know, there's that element of when a producer is maybe a little bit too busy and a little bit too in demand that maybe some of the records start to just kind of mm. fold into the other and maybe this is what's going on here. There's, and, and, and maybe Lord, as the fourth in, in the chain, got the thing that made it potentially a little bit Taylor Swift, a little bit St. Vincent, a little bit Lana Del Rey and as such... It's not landed anywhere. So let's I'm take gonna, it. I've got to be honest. I didn't think it was like any of those albums. Like, you know, if, if for me, like if I thought it was going anywhere, it was going in like a Fiona Apple-esque direction. Oh, true. Yeah. Um, it could have if it, just, of, if it just paired back some things, don't you reckon? Like, I just thought the songs weren't very good. That's, yeah. that's, that's what it was for me. I don't know why I'm so relieved that someone else didn't like it as well. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you? Um, did you read many reviews about the album? I haven't read anything about it. I don't know whether it's been well received or not. Uh, a few of the phrases I used might have been f- inspired by things I read on Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if that counts as reading reviews, that is reading yeah. reviews. Yeah. Speaking of reviews, let's take it to the fish and ship rating scale. So I might go first. I feel like you know. I think there was an intention here. So. In in the spirit of like a good fish and chippery, they they they're, they're like they assume that their customers love everything deep fried. So the fish is straight into the deep fryer with just your stock standard batter. Um, 
you know, a, a healthy serve of chips and and I'm getting exactly the two potato cakes that I ordered. So I'm going to give it about like, you know, I'd equate that with a five. Okay, I'm going to go next. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to just keep bringing in different fish and chip shops that I have relationships with over the years just to sort of, you know, help with my analogies. But I'm going to say I went to the Kahuna Fish and Chippery, which was the uh, fish and chip shop of my youth, and um, I'm going to order some chips and gravy, Oof. but the uh, the chips turned up with no gravy and uh, and and they were just chips and they were a bit old and the, the oil hadn't been changed in a few days. So, so you're scoring it, they were, the, the score is they were just chips. They were just chips. Well, I mean, because you know when you get one of chips and gravy, like it is an intense experience. Like you go oh, it is an intense. Like, but you know that that just, doesn't exist in any metropolitan regions in this country. You have to be in regional Australia to get chips and gravy. Oh, chips and gravy, the best. Um, deep fried ice cream, from the, you know, all yeah. that sort of stuff. Deep fried banana. Banana fritters, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, chips and gravy and the gravy didn't turn up. That's a three for me. All right. Ooh, three. Wow. Um, <laughs> We're going to go lower than that. Sorry. I no, look, in the, in the spirit of uh, something that they said a lot during the Olympics was even just getting there is like the heart, like most yeah. of the – You Making should be congratulated for even getting to the Olympics. And honestly, like – Anybody who has managed to finish anything in the last year, I think, deserves yeah. a bonus point or two. So yeah, great. I would have given Laura and Vula bonus points, but there was no room because I gave her a nine out of ten anyway because it's amazing. So, um, this album was um, there's a place in East Melbourne called Kiwi Fish and Chips, and somehow it has like a four point seven star average rating on Google. And wow! I saw that and I thought, man. This this must be amazing. It's kiwi. Yeah. It's fish and chips and people Monk love fish it. So and all that sort of kiwi fish that you get. Yeah. And I've been there a few times and I've just been disappointed. I just thought, well, why does this why do people rate this so highly? I don't get it. So Have you been I'm to many give- um, fish and chip shops in, in New Zealand, Ryan? Sorry? Have you been to many fish and chip shops in New Zealand? No, that's a good point. No. Well, <laughs> well, well, as someone, you know, with partner who's Kiwi, having gone to quite a few, they're, yeah. they're, they're a different experience to the Aussie right. fish and chip shop. So, you know, the Greek heritage in the fish and chipperies in Australia runs strong, but in New Zealand, it's a, there's a Chinese heritage behind it, so you can often get lots of Chinese food. So it's a completely different fish and chip experience. So Even different... Than the difference between Melbourne and Sydney. Yes, completely. Like, wow. A lot stronger, a lot different. Anyway, sorry, I, I digress. Um, so, trying to find so a reason. I, I, I reckon three is about accurate, but I'll give it a bonus point for finishing an album in 2021. So yeah. that's four out of ten for me. All right, yeah, so well, we've got a I just want to put a caveat that I totally agree with you. I think this album is on the way somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's just not in this one. Yeah, it's just not in this one. Yeah, and I really like Lord. So, yeah, um, did you want to say anything else or we wrap this no, one up? No, let's, let's roll. So that was uh, Lord's album, uh, Soul Power. Power. And that was a three, a four, and a five. Back in a sec.
Okay, so the third album tonight is the Go Team's new release, Get Up Sequences Part 1. The Go Team are an English six-piece band from Brighton, England. They combine indie rock and garage rock with a mixture of funk and Bollywood soundtracks, double Dutch chants, old-school hip-hop and distorted guitars. Their songs are a mix of live instrumentation and samples from various sources. The band's vocals vary between performances, while live vocals are handled mostly by Ninja. Vocals on record also feature sampled and guest voices. The Go Team's first release, 2000's Get It Together, was primarily a solo effort by Parton that gained support from John Peel and others, but legal problems prevented a timely follow-up. By the time uh, 2003's junior kickstart rolled around, the group uh, had expanded to a full band uh, and they assembled and signed to Memphis Industries. Uh, Thunder Lightning Strike was released in 2004 and quickly became a sensation in the UK where it was nominated for a Mercury Prize and in the US where the band became an MP3 blog darling. Wow. Remember blog blogs? darlings. <laughs> <laughs> Don't remember that blogs. thing, to be honest, but uh, maybe it was. <laughs> Um, a bidding war ensued in the US with Columbia winning, but before the album could gain release, many of the samples had to be replaced because they didn't gain clearance. The group followed up the album with two UK singles, 2005's Bottle Rocket and 2006 Lady Flash and extensive world touring. Um, while Thunder Lightning Strike was an artistic success, it didn't sell the way Columbia would have liked and the Go Team found themselves labelless in America. Sub Pop soon picked them up uh, with Memphis Industries and they released Proof Proof of Youth in 2007 and after a long break the band returned in 2011 with their third album. Rolling Blackouts which retained the core group of musicians as previous releases and after another long break during which Parton called a band meeting and basically fired the whole group, the fourth Go Team album The Scene Between was released in 2015. Um, With Parton calling all the shots musically and a different singer on each track, the record was both a return to their early way of working and a step in a new direction. After the record's release, Parton played on and helped produce a song on White Horse's 2016 Pop or Not, Um, then they started work on the next Go Team LP. He brought in plays from the band's live band, basically a lot of the old band he he re-brought back in. Um, (laughs) Gee, that must have been a fun recording, imagine that. <laughs> well, maybe he just had to go find himself. You know how these things work with bands. Um, once fam basic tracks were laid down, part and travelled to Detroit in search of vocalists, uh, sitting on members of the Detroit Youth Choir and teens from an area high school. Uh, he again called on previous contributor Julie Marg Margat while adding uh, Anne Lott de Graff and Houston, Texas vocalist Dorenda Weaver whom he found on Bandcamp. Um, I'm just, oh God, it's a long one. Um, I'll just go to the last one. Midway through the recording of the Go Team's 2021 album, Get Up Sequences Part 1, Parton suffered an intense bout of hearing loss that was diagnosed as Meniere's disease. While the condition has no cure, he was able to manage the symptoms well enough to continue work. Dude, uh, did, that's what Phil Collins has, I think. Oh, wow, okay. Wow. Is that why wow. Phil Collins is this week's bloke of the week? Uh, st- it's just, it's just, you're just going to the core of Wazza. You just These things happen with Wazza. You just, he's, <laughs> he's just in tune. <laughs> this, this album, again, was a throwback to the group's earlier work. Everything I read in this review seems to be there was a throwback. The last, the new latest album is a throwback to their early work. Um 
uh, features rapper Indigo Yaj, teenage vocalist Ryan Woods and Jesse Miller from Detroit Academy of Arts and Sciences. Um, the album was released by Memphis Industries in July 2021, and that's an all-music deep dive. All right. Um, I'm going yeah, to throw it's it good. on to Ryan. Uh, yeah, we, we stay away from Wikipedia these days after your shenanigans. <laughs> uh, what do you think, Ryan Munro? Uh, that was a pretty big dose of band politics. I'm not, not sure what to think about, <laughs> about about this guy now. Ian Parton, if that is your real name. Um, I do love that story about how this band got started where it was pretty much he he made the album and then they got booked for a festival and he went, shit, I need a band, and then booked one. Um, I think that's just a great reason for a band to get formed like that but um or a great bio read i mean it could be completely <laughs> untrue but it sounds good it could be it's yeah. it's a great backstory though isn't it play glastonbury um, had to get a band together for glasto glastonbury <laughs> gap <Sorry>. yeah <laughs> gap yeah <laughs> sorry um all right so i i brought this in as my album because the go team have been a band where i've just occasionally over the last 15 years, I guess, just seen a track here and there on Rage and always just thought, this is amazing. Mm. I want to hear more of this. And they just never did. And then I saw they have an album this year and I thought, why not? Being on a podcast is a good excuse to listen to a whole album. So, okay. um, yeah, I, I checked this out. And um, what I really love is that it sounds so similar to what they've always done. Like they slash it slash he has been around for 20 years and it still sounds pretty much like the first EP. Like it's really cool how it hasn't moved with the times at all. Like he he just kind of to the earlier stuff. Yeah. Well, (laughs) of course it is. I mean, it's, it's like a, it's like early two thousands music, but just what the go team were doing back then. Yeah. um, Yeah. Which, which like, it's so funny that we need to actually put that into a sentence where all we could say is they do what they do really well, as opposed to it being a throwback to what they used to do when they never did anything (laughs) different. He's probably still got his 486 computer with his version of Fruity Loops on it and just hasn't (laughs) moved forward. The uh, Ivan Kachoyan of Brighton. But it just, does uh, it does speak to like just how fucking ridiculous um music press release and commentaries are where like like if they like if they didn't write in their press release that this new record is a throwback to their last record, um hmm. then they might be accused of like not evolving or doing the same thing all the time. But if yeah, you just include the words throwback and people yeah, are like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah cool. It's the right like old, Absolutely. Old, old Goatame as opposed to oh, yeah. not, yeah, not I, yet defined Goatame. I, I think all I've learned is that they've pretty much always sounded the same. The only, the only new ingredient on this album seems to be like out-of-tune shoegaze guitars, like yeah. My Bloody Valentine with horns kind of yeah. vibe. And mm-hmm. I think that really fits really well. Like that's, there's heaps of that in the first track. Totally. And I don't know. I just, I just love hearing that, like, that my bloody Valentine kind of thing going on. I thought, I thought that sounded great, and it, it's a good single thing to add for this album. And they, they only seem to do an album every five years or so. So you know, I'm looking forward to 
2026 when they put out the next album, which is a throwback. It <laughs> sounds exactly the same as this one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think, you know, it's it just maybe it takes a lot of guts to not move with the times at all and just <laughs> yeah. yeah, keep making the same 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s music they've always made. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. And um, let's see. What else did I write down? Uh, standout tracks, I think, were probably one and three. Had Track three had this harmonica um, melody, which... But were you waiting for some alto sax <laughs> yeah. thing to show up? Because it was called... Um, was it? I never am, no. Well, no, but track three was <laughs> called harmonica. A Memo for Maceo. Uh, Maceo, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, Maceo Parker. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why it's called that. No, that's right. I didn't understand it either when I listened to it. I was like, there's nothing in here that reminds me of Maceo Parker except like a harmonica, which is not anything like Maceo Parker. Maybe his dad's called Maceo or his grandpa or his dog. Yeah, true, true. Well, the the guy from De La Soul, he's called Maceo as well. Oh, okay. Did he play harmonica? I don't think he did. I'll have to look that one up. But anyway, uh, track one on their first EP has a harmonica melody like that as well. And I thought, well, there you go. They still That's sound like that. I just thought that that was extremely go team of them slash it slash he. Um, track six, uh, I think that was Ninja on vocals. And I, I just think she sounds great. And I kind of wish yeah. there was more of that on this album. She kind of seems to model her entire vocal style on, you know, the the rapping in the middle of Shocked by Kylie Minogue. <laughs> oh, God, I can't she remember did- that. Uh, yeah, check it out. Happened? Anyway, it, sorry. Sh- shocked by the power. Yeah. I don't remember like that bit. Lightning from up, up, up. Oh, that, that bit, yeah. Anyway, um, oh, I just, yeah, I don't know. That's kind of their best stuff, I think. Also, track 10 just blew my mind because there was this Frank Zappa kind of wah-wah guitar kind of melody and then the steel drum came in and there were these synth toms. It was just throwing a whole lot of stuff in the pot and um, it works really well, I think. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I didn't care what the songs were about. I don't think I understood any of the lyrics, but it didn't really matter. I was just having a good time. Like I didn't, I didn't scrutinize the, the, the lyrics anywhere near as much as I did Lord and, I don't know why that well, you had is. to because it was stark. There was nowhere to hide. <laughs> there was nothing else to listen to. You're None. right, but no, um, no, I had a great time listening to this, and um, yeah, let's move on to someone else. Well, I right. might go next. Sorry, was I'm, I'm no, not no, going to speak too much. You're just, just winning with a head of steam, like you really wanted to go. I really, like no, I really do want to go because up. I guess I felt with this album, I had heard this the name of this group. Like so many times over the journey, had never actually listened to them, and again, similarly, I was like, "Oh yeah, go team." Heard that before, never did it, and then I got to listen to this. And my one's pretty short, in so much as I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, I'm definitely going to come back to it. I loved just the energy of it. It was really, I guess, also in the in the in the mix of the four records we listened to this week, it was a real nice change because of. There was a real optimistic, positive energy to it without it being kind of gross and ridiculous. Um, and, I, yeah, I thought it was just really just interesting. My favourite songs, um, I, I just nominated two, which was I loved Cookie Scene, which had this weird rap thing going on in it, yeah, was which cool. was track two. And I loved Freedom Now, 
um, which was track five. Those are my two standouts. Um, not too much more to say. I didn't, I didn't overthink this one. I was just like, this is cool. And I, and I, I really, it made me think about live music. It made me think about wanting to see shows. And I'd love to see this band live. And um, I'll throw to you, Boz. I wonder if they still all talk to each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see some of the band live, yeah. Um, I think the things for me that stood out straight away were was like the mix, the production, and like instrumentation. Like, it, like to, I thought it was a breath of fresh air, like real instruments or real sampled instruments, like possibly, possibly off grid or off click, um, because they're sampled. Um, but at the same time, everything sounds like a two bar loop. Yeah, that's the, but might be off grid. It might yeah. be, but yeah, but yeah, totally. I, I agree. Um, just. Interesting sonic choices and just completely different to what we generally hear in modern music. Like, you know, as Ryan saying, it is a throwback to 20 years ago. Um, and so that being said, I'll be, I'll be honest, it was I found it really difficult to look past that for a while and focus on the actual music because it was just really refreshing and really lovely to listen to. Like, it was like this, that sonic palette that I just didn't know I needed. So, like, Eric, we talked last week about um, maybe we need to have a new category of artists that are hipster hipster and cool enough to play at Golden Plains Festival because I think this band would definitely get a headline slot on a Saturday afternoon, maybe early evening. Maybe even, like, headline. They could totally headline at Golden Plains. Yep. Yeah. Legit. I I know, and to go back to what you were saying before, I've I've had Golden, I mean, Golden Plains, I've had Go Team albums on my iPod, like from 2006, when wow, people had yeah. given me albums. And I never listened to them. So weird, isn't it? Um, but the music is bonkers. Like, like <laughs> yeah. the, the album itself is like a kind of good, kind of bad hallucinogenic trip, depending on what type of quality you can afford, I guess. Um, like, I just thought, yeah, that intro track was really, it was a really cool intro. Like, Cookie Scene for me, it sounded like it could have been on the Lego Movie soundtrack. Um like we do it, but never know why. Like felt like Mamas and Papas meets Jackson Five mm, on Acid. Mm, mm. Um, just lots of cinematic, trippy, sampled based music. There, you know. I think we re- relate a lot of this sort of stuff to the Avalanches sometimes. And oh yeah. I, I think you can certainly draw a link to that band, but um, you know, they probably came out around the same time, really, didn't they? Um, yeah. The 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 first the first EP would have been around the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it, it reminded me of the Avalanche's first album a lot, but instead of playing like three really unexpected samples at the same time, this Go Team kind of do the one after the other. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit like, more musical thought about it. Are you saying? No, no. Just like three completely contrasting things, one after the other. It just sounds like you're changing radio stations, but they're at the same tempo. But yeah. Uh, um. The longer I went on, I just started getting like LSD Beatles references flitting through as well, like such as songs like Day in the Life, Strawberry Fields, Tomorrow Never Knows. And I just, I really like the unusual use of woodwind and brass. Like, I like that when people use that in pop. And, you know, and also like the Beatles references, the way the drums are mixed as well, like had that sort of really trashy Ringo esque sort of vibe sometimes. Like, I like this album for a bunch of reasons. Um, like as we go further along doing this podcast, I think I realise that the type of music I, I gravitate towards is either like stylistically 
in a in a in a genre that I like. And if it's not a genre I like, then it normally has to have some sort of vibe about it mm. uh, that just makes me appreciate. You know, I want to appreciate it as a musician. And um, you know, people doing that, they have to be committed to it and be authentic about what they do. And I think these guys are doing that. Like it feels really, you know authentic to what they do um fuck i hate keeping you using the word authentic all the time but i mean it seems to be the flavor of the month but i i like this album a lot and these people are doing it well and i think when you do it well like this even if you don't like the genre it just makes you sit up and and respect them for what they do so i uh, yeah i liked it should we should we rate it let's do it sure um i might go first i think where did i land with with lord i gave it a five this is probably going to go, I'd say, <clears throat> yeah, this is just, just just straight up and straight up and down exactly what you ordered Fisherman's Basket, which is fish, chips, two potato cakes, two calamari rings, the end, seven out of ten. Yeah, yeah. nice. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip uh, to when I lived at my grandma's house for six months when I was at uni. <laughs> And she lived out in the western suburbs, and there was this like, little fish and chippery shop in the burbs, like in the middle of you know, right in the burbs. You know when you go off a main road and then go off another main road, and there's a group of shops in the back blocks of a suburb. And once upon a time, it probably would have been a busy street, but then it, then it's not anymore. One of those fish and chip shops, okay? Just it was lost in time, and they used to do a burger with the lot, and it had like a piece of like it wasn't spam, but it was like canned ham. Inside the burger, I think and that's you think spam. it wouldn't work, right? You think it wouldn't work, but just like the Go Team, <laughs> you just think that some of this stuff shouldn't work, but then it does, and you have it, and you get a can of Pepsi that you know, like it was like a nineteen seventies Pepsi because it obviously bought a couple of pallets worth like a long time ago, <laughs> and it had the old style cans, like the white cans. So yeah, I'm gonna get a like a, a burger with the lot from from the Albion Fish and Chip Shop with a can of Pepsi, and that's a strong seven for me. Ryan, I'm just uh, just struggling to think of a fish and chips analogy now. Wow, um, uh, I've gone strong with the fish and chips tonight. Yeah, we lived but- in Carlton North a few years ago, and uh, a few doors down from the original La Porquetta up there, there's a fish and chip shop, and they they have something on the menu which is called half minimum chips. And just as a concept, Ooh. that makes no sense at all. Like, if there's a minimum, oh yeah, half a minimum, and you can have half of that, surely that's the minimum. Anyway, um, yeah, okay, yeah, it's sort of like getting half a kebab. It doesn't sort of feel right. They make a full kebab, <laughs> then they cut it in half. What do they do with the what, other one? Exactly. Yeah. What do they do with that? Do they sell that to someone else, or is someone else just getting your exactly. remains? Anyway, yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, as a concept, it seems like it shouldn't make sense but when you get outside and unwrap it it's exactly exactly what you were after and you didn't even know it and that sums up the go team album for me i i'm assuming there's going to be a get up sequences part two yeah hope so yeah this a, one was great to part one i reckon <laughs> <laughs> it might take six years but um yeah i think i would give it a seven plus a bonus point for actually doing anything in 2021 so so that's 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 seven plus a bonus potato cake which has no bearing on the score (laughs) just 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 throw it in there for fun yeah 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 yeah. just thrown you just just throw it in throwing it in there can't believe a half minimum chip's got a seven that's just crazy anyway whatever okay so that are we saying that's three sevens across the board yeah 
Yeah, and a potato cake. And a potato cake. Three sevens and a potato cake. Okay, so that was uh, the Go Team's album and it was called Once Again Get Up Sequences Part 1. Back in a sec. When's the last time you had a red one? She says they know Someone that's going to with you. She says she got no more. She says she just got her money up. And it's still so. From head to toe, she dripped in Christian Dior. See the rain of doubt about it, you're spoiled. See, you wanna be rewarded for being loyal, being loyal. You want me wrapped around your finger, like a rapper or a singer. Now. See, there's diamonds in my teeth, bitch, I am royal, I am royal. When's the last time you had a Our fourth album for the week is by American artist Pop Smoke and the album is called Faith. So Bashar Baraka Jackson, born July 20, 1999 and passed away February 19, 2020, known professionally as Pop Smoke, was an American rapper closely associated with Brooklyn Drill, which is a style of music. Born and not to be confused with uh, Ryan Monroe's Hammer Drill, which uh, helped put up... <laughs> The uh, <laughs> oh my god, he's almost as old as my drill. Oh, <laughs> he's almost as old as your hammer drill. Um, scary b- born and raised in uh, in Brooklyn. He he rose to fame with the release of his breakout singles Welcome to the Party and Dior in 2019. He released his debut mixtape Meet the Woo in July 2019. His second mixtape Meet the Woo 2 was released on February 7, 2020 and debuted at number 7 on the Billboard 200, becoming the rapper's first top 10 project in the US. It's really funny that they keep on saying it's his first top 10 project. It was his second project and his first one came out in 2019. Um, Is this Wikipedia? Yeah. <laughs> let's let's make some edits. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, become the first rapper's first top 10. Next up, uh, less than two weeks after the release of the mixtape Pop Smoke was Murdered, during a home invasion in LA, his posthumous debut studio album, Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon, debuted at number one on the Billboard 200, and all 19 tracks from the album charted on the Billboard Hot 100. So, yeah, Pop Smoke's mm. a big deal. Um, that's basically the background. I guess it's such a short history that it's not really worth going too deep into it, but basically, um, he was also a basketball player. Uh, came up playing drums in his local church was expelled from 8th grade for bringing a gun to school and spent 2 years on house arrest after being charged with possessing a weapon he started playing basketball as a point point and shooting guard and relocated to Philadelphia to enrol in Rock Top Academy and was later forced to leave after being diagnosed with a heart murmur and eventually turned to street life so I guess he was a promising basketballer as well um, this is a really interesting story, actually. Um, he began his music career in 2018 when visiting a Brooklyn recording studio with fellow rapper Jay Guapo. After Guapo got high on drugs, he fell asleep, and Jackson went into the booth to try rapping for the first time just to see if he could do it. He used a beat he got from 808 Mellow's YouTube channel and recorded his track titled NPR Panic Part 3 Remix. On January 28, 2019, he released Flexing. Um, and the, sorry, the story goes on about some not that important things. But 
basically what's crazy about that is 808 Mellow is a producer mm. who ended up producing a heap of stuff with Pop Smoke. So it started with him just doing what kids do, going, oh, I'll just get this beat off YouTube to rap to and the next minute it's a me- you know he's working with that guy which is a pretty pretty cool I, I really like that story um so let's get into the actual record so i guess yeah to just to frame it it's brooklyn drill rap yeah um uh how would i read okay okay overall as an album i just don't it didn't feel like it, it is a posthumous release so hmm. it just sounds like a bunch of beats and bangers that have been jammed together in album format it doesn't feel like a conscious mm-hmm. record um but and and it, I, I i lost a bit of interest as i went through but there was a whole bunch of stuff that i really loved so um my favorite song was tell the vision um it just was i think it was like track three or four and it was just about the time where you really needed something to kick things off I love the song "About a Million." Also, had a very similar vibe to "Tell the Vision," and then there was a song called "What's Cracking," which, like, just I had so much fun listening to. The lyrics were something like "Baller was cracking a lot of guns in automatics," and he just kept on repeating that over and over again. And I really enjoyed that. Um, and okay. you know, I think it's an when I say niche. It might feel like a niche record to like my ears, but this genre is absolutely taking over the world. So this yeah. is not a niche record. This is a modern hip hop record, which a lot of kids are aspiring to kind of match. Um, there's an interesting thing on the production of his vocals. It's his vocals always seem terribly recorded and like horribly compressed. And he's a, an artist that has got oh, the resources. That's a, that's a conscious sound there, um, and that's now becoming like this drill sound, um, which is just. A what is the drill sound? Is it like a fifty-seven with a weird microphone cover over it? <laughs> I don't know no, what it is, sorry, but like there's something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> good, good, good call. Good call. Um, so I uh, look. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the drill sound is, but this is showing up everywhere. Um, and then what's really weird is like it, like there's all this kind of like hard drill stuff and then the final five tracks of the album are with like all these massive name yeah. collaborators. Yeah. So going to those songs, um, there was a song with Dua Lipa called Demeanor and yeah. like I was like, oh, this is kind of cool as I was listening to Pop Smoke's verse. Not and I was very like, drill though. Yeah, but that's okay. And I was like... <laughs> This is interesting. Yeah. I mean, the album, something needed to happen in the album. It couldn't all just be that same vibe, I felt. And I was, my first comment was, this is the first real moment of a vibe shift and it happens at the six, in the 16th track. And then Dua Lipa's part comes in and the whole thing just sounds completely ridiculous. Um, yeah. th- this is a collaboration that does not work. And no, there was a review what the hell was, that said it should be on Gossip Girl, this song. Whose idea was that? That was an absolute shocker. Um, and then there was the Pharrell collab, which I, I dug as well, but again, it felt a bit more connected as a collaboration. Um, but look, overall, I, I'm, I've, I've been introduced to Drill properly this year and I really love it. And, um, I also can attest to the fact that in terms of making Drill tracks, 
Um, You're the you, Melbourne guy to come no, to? No, I'm not necessarily. <laughs> I'm testing. I'm testing. I'm giving, I'm giving it my best shot. But, yeah. um, well, you know, the, the, well, I was going to say, dates. basically, if you have the arcade sample pack, mm-hmm. you basically just choose something yeah. from there and yeah, then, then, then <laughs> yeah. just grab the uh, gliding 808 bass with yeah. a 808 kick drum and don't put too much snare in it and you're well on your way to making a big drill Banger. song. Yeah. Um, I also noticed that people seem to go... Yeah, lot. they do do... Yeah, that's a, that's a big <laughs> sound. Um, but look, I would say in terms of how I would treat this, it, again, it's like one of those things that it might not necessarily score highly, but it's 100% going to be my little baby driver soundtrack in so much as I want to listen to this music when I turn on the ignition of my little Ford Fiesta and, <laughs> and you know, wow. cruise around the, uh, the suburban streets. I just, uh, yeah, I see a place for this album in my life and I, I think it's a driving album. Okay, I might have a crack. Um, I think there's two ways to look at this album. That one, Pop Smoke is like some kind of 21-year-old genius future of rap and this album is something that everyone wants to pay their respects to by putting their spin on what maybe could have been or mm. two, it's a money grab. Mm. Or actually you could throw in the third option. It may be like a combination of both. Um I just don't know enough about the circumstances surrounding this album. So, Eric, I think you know where I'm going to go with this one. Like, drill music is not my thing, whether that be, like, UK drill, Chicago drill, Brooklyn drill. Power drill. Know, what, hammer drill, yeah. Yeah, um, drill. Which is, you know, the, I mean, this is a scene where Pop Smoke is, is big in. Like, and, like, I read the story about, you know, his death and it's horrible. Like, you know. Yeah. Being murdered for such ridiculous reasons, I think he was twenty. Yeah, yes. and they sold his Rolex for like two thousand dollars. Like it's just re- so pointless. Yeah. Um. Anyway, I did a little bit of reading around Pop, and like I fully appreciate that he is like leading a musical resurgence in New York, and that the scene itself has been building to a point where it sort of you know has burst into the national prominence, mainly off the back of of Pop Smoke. And, like, I went back and checked out Dior, which is, you know, which was the big I hit. I love that song and so much. I've got to say, much. it did fuck all for me. It did nothing really? for me. Like, <laughs> it, must, oh. like, it must be me. Like my, like, my end point for music in general is the music itself. And if I'm not vibing with the music, then I can't hope to even start listening to the lyrics. And, you know, that could be anything from Dylan to Pop Smoke, you know. Like, if I, if I didn't like the music, I don't. Listen to it. I don't need, I've got no input to even go any further. Uh-huh. Um, so, like, it just wasn't, you know, this album's not my thing. And I, yeah, I gave it a good, I gave it a good shot. Um, I've just got to, you know, be realistic with what I, what I like and what I don't like. Um, the one thing I did have a laugh about was the one bar Pharrell intro. And for all those that aren't hip to this, yeah, then yeah, type yeah, in, yeah, you got yeah. to type in YouTube for our one bar intros and just lose your shit. Um, oh really? You know, tr- yeah, yeah. His trick is a repetitive four-beat one-bar intro to all his big songs. Is exactly the same for every every one of his big hits. Hey, um, um, it's hilarious. On, on, on that note, check out the start of Bernadette by the Four Tops. I reckon that was the first Pharrell intro. Oh, really? Okay. Nineteen sixty-seven yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, 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 yeah check yeah. it out. Okay. <laughs> 
And and even right back to his first rap on SWV's Michael Jackson Human Nature right here, like it happens on that, like all the way through to happy to like everything. Do 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 do. Yep. It's Okay, uh, so it's a Pharrell signature. Gotcha. It's a Pharrell signature trick. Anyway, um I I just I'm sorry. I it's it's not where I'm at musically this album. Cool. Ryan. Ryan. Yeah, um well, I started listening to this and then I just, you know, got Wikipedia up in the other tab as you do and I realized oh he 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 died last year mm. and he was 20 and since then there's been two posthumous albums yeah. in a year. Yeah. Yeah. And my first reaction was just get away from him you absolute vultures. Yeah. Right. And I think this is what happens when you are a really promising artist and then sign a big record deal and then you pass away and then I don't know, I, I just get really creeped out that yeah, I got so much stuff well. so much stuff gets released that that who who knows if he was into it or not, you know? Yeah. It's just ugh. I know like people want to hear more of him and they'll they'll get to with this, but just yeah, just two posthumous albums in a year is just and this and it did feel it, like it's scraping the barrel. Like there was just, you know, lots of offcuts on this, like single verses and That's right. Well, I, I actually went back to listen to Welcome to the Party, his first his first big track. And then from there I pressed play on this album and it was the same. Yeah. It was the same sample. Like the first the first track has the same uh, sample as Welcome to the Party in the background. Wow. It segues into track two, which sounds pretty much the same, which segues into track three, which is the same thing again, exactly the same, like 72 BPM with Kanye West yelling over it this time. It's like, and I just thought, why are these three tracks? That could have been one track. And then, of course, w- once you start to suspect that record companies are trying to milk this thing. You just think, did they make that three tracks so that they get paid for three tracks instead of totally. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, ugh. And then, then once you realise there's 20 tracks on the album... Yeah, and I, then just, you I don't also, want to be that nasty, that. though, because I really would they get would Pharrell come in and just go, I want a bit of that money, and all these artists say, I want a bit of that. You know, do they would they do that? I don't, like, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think they, I think they do it with a good, you know, good intentions. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I think mm. I, I, I wouldn't lay any of the blame on the guest artists. No, no I like, agree. I'm just going to quickly um, let you guys know I, that yeah. that um, to add to what you've just said, Ryan. Um, so the posthumous album that you talk about, Shoot for the Stars, is that right? Shoot for the Stars, Aim for the Moon. That was yep. the album. And then there's also a deluxe version of that album as well, which mm. is 34 tracks. So there's, so I think what you're saying is completely on point. Like they're going, here's the album, here's an extra unreleased 14 tracks, here's another album, and here's an extra however many, what was it, another 10 tracks so they've basically yeah. made how much four, does that generate in Spotify they've made four pieces know? of they've made four pieces of product from what it sounds to me like was a work in progress to get to one album yeah totally yeah, yeah. like he, he was going to make one album out of this and now it's four four and they've both got 34 tracks it's it's crazy but um uh, I, I then I started trying to dig a bit deeper, and I just thought, all right, well, how much pop smoke is actually on this album? And I thought maybe he, maybe like there's not even that much of his vocals on there. What 
have they stretched out like 30 seconds of him to an entire album here. But I checked it out and he's on the chorus and at least one verse of every track. So yeah. that checks out. Yeah. That's fine. But um, Not not to be morbid, but the largest <laughs> ever selling um, posthumous album of all time is by Juice World. Um, it, uh, followed by Notorious B.I.G.'s Life After Death yeah, and wow. Tupac Say You Still Down. Interesting. Sorry. I don't know who Juice yeah. World is. Oh, Juice World's a rapper as well. I don't know. Yeah, died twenty nineteen. Right. Yep. All right. Well, it's clearly worked. Unfortunately, mm. I mean, well, you know. Yeah. The record company people involved have made a pretty close approximation of an album, but it's creepy. I don't know. Yeah. It just. Yeah. What about yeah, the? What just, about the? I mean, outside of the kind of <laughs> mechanics of the business, was like, do you get down with drill? I haven't even gotten to the music yet, have I? But um, <laughs> just one more thing about the business. I, Wikipedia I, I, for too long. I read a great quote from Rolling Stone's review of this album, which was, "Faith consists of audio files recombined by producers and record executives." And, it wow. goes on from there. And I just thought, that's exactly what this is. You've okay. got some audio files and thought, what else do we that. need to... I think it, what it is is it's more like a an album that, you know, men in Melbourne's northern suburbs play in their Ford Fiestas, you know, <laughs> on, a, on the morning when they go to work. Like, that's more what it's aimed at, I think. Sorry. Too much? Keep no, going. no, it's legit. I mean, I'm actually really curious now, and it maybe goes to like... Yeah, you know, and this is just where, like, the craziness of commentary around art exists, which, you know, the pop smoke sound, right, actually, you were joking before about it being like a 57 with a bag over the top. It's actually exactly what it is. And for all intents and purposes, like, God forbid it is a situation where there's just been a drive full of, like, voice memos that has just been reappropriated to be a massive record, um, yeah. I've really hoped that's not what what actually happened. Oh. But but thinking it of, sounds like it could be, but yeah. it could be. I mean, just by virtue of like, it doesn't <laughs> sound like he was singing on like a studio microphone. It sounds like a home recording vocal take. Well, um, there could be demos that he's just done. Like yeah, you know, for, yeah. who knows? Like yeah. you're just trying stuff out. That could be anything. Having having said that, what what really shone through on this album was he sounds amazing. Like yeah. He's he was really talented, and it's horrible that that he was you know taken that soon. Like twenty is twenty seven is young, and a lot of people yeah. died that yeah. young. And Cliff Burton, I think, was twenty four. That's even younger and even more horrible. But twenty is wow, just yeah. Anyway, um, overall, this all right. I'll call it an album. Was um this collection of uh, voice memos? I just. It didn't really keep my attention because of the overall kind of samey production and the tempos were really similar. Nearly everything was 72 BPM or thereabouts. And um, tracks 9 through 15, I felt like I could skip them after 10 seconds and not really miss anything. Mm. Like I felt like I'd already heard the entire track after 10 seconds. But um, the only ones that really stood out for me were I guess one, two, and three, even though they felt like they were recycled from an earlier track of his, it was still that was still just a great vibe. The one track eight with Busy Banks, he sounded amazing. Um, 
and 17 with Pharrell just because it was a different tempo and mm. a different vibe and I felt like I really needed it by that point. So, But, you know, that samey <laughs> vibe is possibly <laughs> what drill is all about and maybe I'm just not into it either was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, okay. neither of you guys are getting a ride in my Ford Fiesta, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'll just take the afternoon ride, please, not yeah. the morning ride. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's score it. Um, I I'm going to sit in the same world as the like in terms of a number. It's going to be probably a five for me. Um, I I I I know his singles, and I want to go back and listen to like the first posthumous record just to kind of frame up. Maybe that was the best offering. Um, but I do love his tone and I love the vibe and I love the – I just love the beats and I'm going to listen to it more. So uh, in terms of a fish and chip offering, um, it's like one of those times where you're like, oh, maybe I won't go the flake. I'm going to go the, you know, the whiting, let's say, and, and you, oh. you try and mix it up a little bit but in the end you're like, no, no. I actually just should have gotten the flake in the first place. Um, yeah, yeah, something that so, doesn't really taste like fish, but still fish. Exactly, that's right. And yeah. you know, two potato cakes, no extra sauce. Paid for the sauce was kind of like ugh, I don't have to pay for the sauce. Um, yeah, that's that's my that's my score. Just standard um, non-flake uh, fish fish and chips. Ryan. <sighs> Fish and chips metaphors. Wow. Um, I think I've got one for this. I think it's when there's been some chips sitting in that tray for like four hours. No one's been to the shop for a while. Someone comes in and orders fish and chips and they look at the ones that they haven't sold and they look at the brand new frozen ones that Yeah, the temperature in the store is a little bit too high. Yeah. And they think, I'm just going to bung those old ones back in the deep fryer and sell them again. <laughs> so, yeah. so that's a good fish and chip analogy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to deduct a, a – you remember how I was giving <laughs> bonus points for finishing something this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I do not appreciate that this album got recycled this year. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I'm sort of torn between uh, Pop Smoke's talent and – the people trying to wring a few more cents out of out of him, yeah. and um, I'm going to go middle of the road, like five, I guess. No, 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 it's too generous. Four. All right, four. What's um, up? Okay. Uh, all right, so I've worked a bit late at work, and uh, I'm driving home, and I know there's nothing to eat at home, but I've, I've just remembered there's this... Um, there's this fish and chip shop on North Road in Ormond. That's sort of like, oh, yeah, it's always open. And I'm I'm driving there. It's like quarter to eight. And I pull up outside, but they've shut early. And so uh, how can I rate it if I can't eat their fish and chips? Like just, just no, I can't rate this. Like it's, it's just not my vibe. I don't feel, I don't think I can give it any sort of, you know, credible rating that, you know, I've got to like the music to rate it, I think, or find some, you know, not artistic merit, but it's just not, yeah, it's, it's, there's no fish and chips. I can't equate Pop Smoke to fish and chips. That's what I'm saying. 
All right. So what's, your, okay? score, what's your score was? Uh, no, I'm, it's, I'm not rating it. You're not rating it? Because okay, the fish and so chip shot got, wasn't open. Okay. It's a fish and chip shot that wasn't open from was. I've gone five because of a poor choice in uh, the fish. And Ryan has gone four with a two. Two. He's gone lower. He's she's Yeah, no, I'm I'm Yep. I hear you much Ryan. angrier about the vultures circling yep, than, yep. than than I realised. You yeah. keep on going you just keep on taking it down, baby. Two <laughs> So it's two out of ten, it's recycled chips, the whole fucking thing. Everything is getting reheated, basically. Um and uh that is Pop Smokes Faith. <laughs> Well, I mean, we, at least we heard Laura's album this week, which I thought was just, oh. just it was the redeeming. Because to be honest, like I listened to the other three albums first and whilst I did like the Go Teams album, like it was fun, that moment that Laura album dropped two days ago was just a beautiful moment for me. So It's a big one. Yeah. It's a big one. And look, it's an exciting time with music. There are so many big records coming out at the moment. We've got a huge... We've got a very exciting next couple of weeks with new releases coming through. We won't, we won't let, we won't uh, get ahead of ourselves and announce them today, but uh, definitely tune in next week as well. Um, Ryan, once again, we 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 love we love when you come. We love this, and um, and thank you so much for for joining us. Um, Was a as always, you know, lifting the lifting the bar, bringing the insights. Much love. This has been the All Music Is Good podcast, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>